right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Every Episode 26. Um, this week we've got all kinds of new stuff coming from the CW Universe. We're going to talk about Flash, we're going to talk about Arrow, we're going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow. We've got new Suicide Squad rumors and the return of two favorites to the Justice League, which we'll get to in just a moment. I'm Eddie, and here's uh, my co-host as always, Matt. Hi, how's it going? Uh, sorry, I'm adding stuff to the notes. Yeah. And we go. Because, again, professional. We're a professional show. We come prepared every time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we never just bullshit on the fly like that doesn't happen. <laughs> Did we ever go into, like... Yeah, I think we've told the origin of the show before. I think we did. We probably talked about it at least on the first episode. How which, it was just like you came over one day and we were bullshitting, and then my wife was like, "Why don't you guys just record this?" Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and thus the magic was born. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Um, so let's talk about Arrow. Let's. Uh, so I I really like this episode actually. Um, I'm not quite sure where they're going in a couple of directions, but it was a fun episode. Well, I think, in my opinion, the only thing better than one Felicity is two Felicities, and when one of them is a hot goth chick, I mean... Yeah, I had a dream like this once. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we get hot goth Felicity. Um, if you haven't seen the episode, you should probably go watch it now before you listen to the rest of this, because um, we're going to spoil, as always. Um, so, hot goth Felicity, otherwise known as hallucinations from, you know, regular Felicity... Uh, sort of being the bad conscience, you know, which I guess you couldn't get more over it in your visual metaphors, but whatever. Not necessarily bad conscience, I think, either. Just like the self-doubt portion. Yeah, self-doubt, self-preservation, sort of just self-selfish, maybe. Yeah. Um. So before we go too far, I'm just going to ask Eddie one question. You hit record, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was a close one. <laughs> All right. Um, no, I, I really I, I dug this episode. There was a couple pieces of it that were a little bit funny to me. Um, one of them was uh, Oliver actually talking about, um, I don't want to push you. I was wrong to push you, blah, blah, blah. And then like 30 seconds later, he's like, yeah, but if you just do this, then yeah. things will be fine. I, I'm not pushing you or anything, but seriously, just the tip a little bit. Better. Yep. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more. Again, professionals. I should probably cut this stuff. Yellow. Yo. Yeah. Yellow. Uh. All right, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going back to my text messages because while I was watching, I think we were texting back and forth about it. But that might have just been all solic- uh, felicity lust. Yeah, because I don't think you'd seen it yet when I was no. texting. Yep, yep, we hadn't. I definitely hadn't. So, um, so a lot goes on in this episode. First off, we get to see a little bit of the um, a gun shy Felicity because you know she's paralyzed at the current time, and of course, in the Arrow universe, there's no way that could possibly be healed, or you know, she could come back from the dead or anything like that. So, she's definitely totally screwed forever. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm not sure how how long that's going to happen the the whole paralysis thing because I'm not convinced that she's she was paralyzed in the at the end of the last episode when it showed definitively that Felicity's not the one in the grave yeah because um, she was waiting in the limo so yep which rules out you know well it rules Felicity out but that you know lends credence to it being another couple of you know people on the show um right now my money's kind of on dig like 
Could be much, Dig. We get Roy much. Harper in the next episode too, so yeah. we don't know exactly what his role is either. So, ooh, you know what? And being that he's not in any way, shape, or form a series regular anymore, they could kill him just because. Fuck, why not? It would lend it would lend credence to the importance of the person who's dead, obviously. Yeah. Um, without actually taking out a major character out of the regular rotation. Yeah, or another major character rather. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, my money's kind of... Well, I guess either way. I, I'm either leaning towards Dig or... I, uh, now that you mentioned Roy Harper, I think that's probably the... the uh, I don't know, almost kind of a cop-out from the writers a little bit because they've been playing this up so big for the whole season. Like, I kind of don't want it to be Roy because Roy's sort of already out of the, the running, you know? Yeah, but I mean, you know that you know that there's enough fan love for Roy Harper, too, that it's still a big deal. Yeah, so. totally. I honestly, as much as I love uh, uh, Emily Bett Records, I kind of wanted to be Felicity, kind of over the whole, you know, will they not will they won't they, but the the uh, 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 Felicity and Oliver, you know, shipping and all that stuff. Yeah, well, my my uh, my wife was actually going to sit in on this and 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 discuss a little bit about Legends of Tomorrow, but she also had some things about Arrow. She she does not like Arrow. No, no, um, she doesn't like how Oliver's always broody and upset even when his life is good and shit so well i think we're getting to the end of that oliver i hope so i i, I mean I, I really do like i like the show but i mean it would be kind of nice to see him like move forward emotionally and not be because he's not batman you know what i mean like or, yeah that's what his character was created to be an analog of originally and shit but that isn't where we're at these days like he's he's his own character and i think he needs to be a little bit less bruce wayne yeah he definitely i mean obviously we talked about green arrow before green arrow was definitely um created as sort of the poor man's batman but they've he's grown into his own character and i don't think that that's true anymore so um I, i'm looking more forward to and i think we're already starting to see that i mean we don't necessarily have the big broody uh, um oliver that we had for the first you know three seasons um especially you know with the whole felicity thing he's taken this quite a bit differently than season one or two oliver would have so. yeah yeah i don't think we actually we didn't talk about the last episode either no probably not because we recorded this the week before they they premiered again um and i, I don't want to go too far back but i did want to point out that i think one of my favorite scenes in um the mid-season premiere if you will was uh when uh dark shows up at his house after Oliver and team rescued his family and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And he was like, what'd you do with my family? And Oliver's like, I rescued him. He's like, all right, I'll give you a couple weeks. Yeah. Like, I, I really liked that, that whole scene. Oh, that scene was awesome. Especially because then you find, like, you think the wife, or I thought at least the wife and the kids are like completely innocent and they know nothing. And it's like, daddy goes off to work and he's a stock trader or something like that. Not an evil, you know, magic mastermind, but no, it turns out the wife is a total fucking psycho too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had the impression that she was unaware of his, other activities as well because it always showed him going home and acting like a normal family man and yeah. any, any like i think we've only seen it twice but both times we've seen it it's just been hey honey how was work kind of a thing yep oh no no problem just murdered a bunch of people you know another day at the office yeah so um but i'm, I'm really looking forward to the damien dark uh resolution i i like his character not that i'm i'm wanting him to go away i don't actually think he'll go away um, hopefully not for good anyway, because all of the villains that we've had so far have been way decent. I mean, we still get Merlin back every once in a while. Um, rumor has it that Amel is lobbying hard to get uh, Deathstroke back on the show. Oh, yeah. Uh, Manu Bennett, he's yeah. actually doing the Shinara show now. Is he? Have you watched any of that? I've not yet. 
It's pretty goddamn MTV. That's all I'm going to say. I heard the dialogue is for shit. It it's uh it's very pretty. Like the show the, the for especially for what I I kind of feel like is a low budget show. It's very pretty. The music is actually kind of cool, although it gets a little too um, teen angsty emo. But that's like the whole show. The whole whole show just gets a little too teen angsty emo at times, um, most of the times. And the dialogue, yeah, the dialogue is like written by a 13 year old girl for a 13 year old girl did they not learn anything from legend of the seeker a little bit it takes itself slightly more serious than than that i hope so because that show is fucking retarded too but Mm -hmm. but i mean that was kind of bound to happen with uh you know good kinds books i don't know did you ever read those i a long time ago i started reading one of them and then yeah finishing you're not missing a whole lot first off they're fans they're certainly fans they're bestsellers but um it just gets progressively worse through the whole thing and he gets progressively more preachy like in somewhere in the middle i think he just directly quotes atlas shrugged and pretends like nothing happened Mm -hmm. yeah that's not my speed no no so um any more arrow stuff that we you know, uh, I don't know. It's kind of funny because um, I really like Arrow. I watch Arrow every week, but we tend to have less discussion about that. So I think there's a little bit of a, I don't know, it's a different thing. The 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 last piece that I want to talk about is, you know, Flash or Arrow-wise is, um, is Berlanti, is he the showrunner? I believe so. Yeah. When when this show first started, it was supposed to be a superhero show, but it was supposed to be based more in reality and whatnot. There wasn't going to be like superheroes and and yeah. super villains and whatnot um obviously when the flash spun off we wondered how they were going to keep that balance because you can't if they're going to be in the same universe you gotta you you have to accept that this stuff happens in the other show as well which they've done a fantastic job of doing so much so to the fact that it seems kind of like they threw that rule out the window now especially given oliver's speech to felicity when he talked about you know this is the world we live in now like there's magic and there's speedsters and Oh yeah. I I mean, honestly, I'm sure that there are like, if you went back and watched a season one episode and then you watch a season four episode, like you could, I could see people being like hugely on one side or the other, as far as which they prefer, because it is almost a different show at this point. Oh, you know what? One other thing I did want to talk about arrow, which is actually kind of a slam. The choreography is getting boring as shit on, on the fights. Like, it seems like we watch the same fight every episode. And the other thing that really, really pisses, or starting to piss me off about Arrow, um, I guess I shouldn't say starting, it does. Um, Oliver, especially, his fighting skills vary so ridiculously every single episode. Uh, Like, in one episode, he fights Ra's al Ghul, and then the next episode, he gets his ass kicked by, like, a security guard, basically. Like, that's getting so ridiculous at this point. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're using wins and losses as a plot device to move the story forward, you know, when it comes to him fighting and that's not necessary at all. And, and I mean, they do, you know, it, it should be realistic, but like the anarchy fight, um, mm-hmm. the anarchy fight just struck me as like, what the hell? Like when the hell did anarchy, you know, become like half ninja? Like, you know, like why can he hold his own with the arrow crew, you know, who's professionally trained, you know, by assassins and so on. Nah, Lazarus Pit, what, Mumbo Jumbo is is i guess how they're probably going to try and write that off but i mean to your point i mean the whole idea of bad guys is bad guys do stuff to take an unfair advantage so if you're going to have team arrow get their asses kicked have them get their asses kicked because like 
the bad guys release poison gas or something like let oh, them yeah. use a, a villain plot device to get the upper hand rather than just kicking the hero's asses. That's not what the heroes are, are supposed to have happen to them. Well, I mean, the, the ridiculous part about it is you, you have these bad guys who are not I mean, not like Razal Ghul kicking uh, um, Ollie's ass makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I would have been really disappointed if they did that any other way to begin with. But when we're talking about, um, you know, on in one episode, he takes down three or four League, League, uh, League of Shadows members. Yeah. Yeah. League of Assassins. I always want to. Whichever. Whichever. Yeah. They're basically the same anyway. Um, but I always um, I, I get really annoyed when they can do that. You know, the, these League trained people who are supposed to be like the world's deadliest assassins in the mythos. And then the next episode, like it's literally like uh, uh, just a little bit better than security guards that are uh, defeating him one at a time. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna create a pro wrestling analogy to go with this. Um, this is everything that's wrong with the current WWE product right now. Is the bad guys aren't as much bad guys as they are assholes because they don't they don't do anything to gain an unfair advantage like a heel is supposed to do. Yeah, um, a heel is supposed to roll out of the ring before he gets pinned and try to escape and all that kind of stuff, and they don't. Everybody wants to look cool now. Yeah. So the same thing can be applied here. I mean, let your villains do something to get the the advantage of your heroes without just straight up kicking their ass because otherwise then your heroes are lame. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lame plot a lame plot device. It's it seems it really strikes me as kind of lazy writing or like the we have to fill the fight quota, you know, sort of for the the episode. So anyway, um we'll talk about the Flash. Uh yeah, I do want to talk about the Flash. So this this episode of The Flash was really fucking good. Yeah. Um, and what I really like about it is they talk a lot about uh, temporal mechanics and, and the laws of time travel and how stuff works, um, which is going to go into a little bit of a bitch when it comes to Legends of Tomorrow, which is why I kind of wanted to talk about these two shows together. Actually, they they all really kind of tie together. The universes really tie themselves together. I mean, obviously, because we've got a lot of characters coming from both shows, legends, or uh, a lot of the legends, you know, uh, sort of stars are coming from both the Flash and Arrow. But even still, they're they're further tying the universe together with these. Yeah. Um, but I really like the episode. Um, the overall just the episode is that um, Barry catches uh, Eobard Thawne. The first time he comes to present day yeah. Central City um, and locks him up so he doesn't have the opportunity to go back to his own time and then come back later and kill Barry's mom. Um, and they talk about that. And Joe West was like, well, wouldn't that change to where Barry's mom is alive? And um, Wells was like, no, time travel doesn't work that way. So um, what does happen, though, is it fucks up Cisco really bad. Yeah. Which at first kind of pissed me off because I'm like, they just said time travel doesn't work like that. But because Cisco is vibe and he vibes through the different dimensions and whatnot, I can kind of understand how it might affect him, whereas it doesn't affect Barry or anything. So that's forgivable. Um, and it's and it was actually a super good Cisco episode anyway. Um, the part that pisses me off, though, actually happened the next night or two nights later on, on Legends of Tomorrow when they are back in the 70s. And Professor Stein, as a young college student, doesn't meet his wife, and all of a sudden Stein's wedding ring disappears. Yep. Complete opposite of what we just talked about two days yep. ago. Um, 
so that's kind of my biggest bitch. It's it's like it's like in Back to the Future too. Yeah, I was just gonna. I I tweeted that like we just went full Back to the Future right there. Yeah, Back to the Future two. Old Biff steals the time machine and takes the the almanac back and gives it to his younger self, and then somehow is able to bring the time machine back to the same future. Yeah, which wouldn't have happened. Well, see, as long as you're intern. First off, time travel. Nobody's gonna get time travel right. Um, the only movie that I've seen get time travel pretty close to correct, as far as like physics and shit like that goes, which again, it's all theoretical anyway, but um, is Primer. And God help you if you can even fucking understand that movie. Like you need like three charts and a PhD to just get what's happening in that fucking movie. So um, most movies are much simpler than that. Like Back to the Future, for example. And as long as you remain internally consistent, fine. Um, so and, and Back to the Future, that was a thing that they discussed, and what they decided, I think, essentially was in the Back to the Future universe, uh, time sort of ripples. Um, so th- changes don't happen necessarily immediately, um, it, the way that they do in some other movies. Um, so uh, as long as you're internally consistent, that's fine. I think though that um, Legends and The Flash aren't really. No. Um, there, there are definitely some things that they they are not consistent on. So um, that shit gets annoying. Like, you got to pick some ideas and stick with them. They're writers. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be nitpicky because overall, I really enjoy both shows. The Flash, especially. The Flash is probably my favorite oh, yeah. show on TV right now on a weekly basis, followed closely by The Walking Dead, which is uh, Valentine's Day. It's yeah. their midseason premiere. Oh, finally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's 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 my biggest my biggest bitch about that. The Flash episode, though, in, in general, was really good. Um, it was nice and, and really cool, actually, seeing um, Tom Cavanaugh as Dr. Wells. Yeah. And then seeing the other Eobard. guy as Eobard Thawne and actually having it be um, the guy who played Eobard Thawne in some of the flashback episodes from season one. And, and you know what? I really like that guy, too, as Reverse Flash. Yeah. Uh, he's he's super great. Um was it this episode or the last episode that we get a tease at the end about a certain new character, uh, Hunter Zolomon? I can't remember which episode it was. It was, it was this episode because yeah. it was, um, uh, uh, Panna Baker. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, um, the ice princess. I can't remember yeah. what her freaking name is. Um, snow. Yeah. Caitlin. Caitlin. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we get to the end of the episode. Um, so actually there's a lot of cool shit in this episode. Um, first off the reverse flash, the guy that plays the reverse flash, I can't go on long enough about. He's awesome. Um, I really like his portrayal of the character and, uh, this whole episode to me was really kind of an awesome way to bring back that character. Um, which I, I, you know, I really just kind of have my fingers crossed at some point that they're going to do something like flashpoint. So I don't want them to completely let go of Reverse Flash uh, um, and just have him be the season one baddie because uh, uh, Flashpoint, I think, is sort of the penultimate uh, um, Flash bad guy story, uh, sort of. So anyway, um, Reverse Flash is really fun. Um, That was cool in the episode. I also really dug the whole, um, you know, Jay thing. You know, why doesn't Jay have a um, Earth One doppelganger? Uh, that was a sort of an interesting idea, and uh, a lot of the fan theories uh, were actually pretty close to correct on this one, which was that the Earth-1 doppelganger is Zoom, um, but uh, I'm not sure that's entirely true, but they at least teased Hunter Zolomon. Um, so Hunter Zolomon actually tends to be, er, as actually the Earth-1 uh, J doppelganger, he was adopted or something like that at birth, um, 
So that 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 was pretty cool. And I couldn't help but think like, you know, there's a lot of Flash watchers who are not comic book fans who have no reason to know who that is. And I couldn't help but think, oh, their their minds are going to be so fucked in like, uh, you know, next season or something like that. I, I really enjoy this show because of, of they really pride themselves on name dropping. Not necessarily mainstream comic book characters, um, Hunter Solomon, Jesse Quick. Yeah, you know um, Jay Garrick. Even to, at this point, like he's not somebody that a lot of modern age. I would have. Uh, I would have never lovers. expected Jay Garrick to show up in the Flash. Yeah, right until he did. Yeah, huh. yeah. Well, it, we saw the helmet at the end of last season, and I was like, "Oh, nerd boner." Yeah, when the helmet showed up, I was like, "Oh, they're doing it. They're yeah. actually putting that in there. That is so rad." Um, but yeah, I definitely didn't see that coming. Yeah. So, um, really, really cool episode, and again like i said a good a good cisco episode just and and honestly here's what's great about this show the chemistry between wells and cisco in the first season was really good oh yeah and now we have wells back but he's a different wells because he's not like he's actually wells now and the chemistry between those two characters is still some of my favorite moments on that show definitely so um and, and in fact, I think they've done that really, really well. Um, yeah. So, the, uh, you know, in the first season, they're almost buddy-buddy in spite of the fact that it's really Eobard Thawne. He's evil as shit. Um, but in the second season, you know, they don't really start off that way. But you can see there's sort of like this growing um, chemistry between them two. I, I wouldn't call them, you know, like quite friends or something like that. But they're definitely um, respecting each other as colleagues. Yeah, they're, they're still relatively adversarial in, in a lot of situations. And, and I love the, the contrast of the two characters of the two Wells characters, because in the first season, he called him Cisco all the time. Yeah. And this season, he calls him Ramon because in, and that's just one of those subtle things they do to explain that it's a, this is a different guy. Yeah, um, Cisco really kind of feels like that kid that doesn't get enough attention from his father in this season, which is cool because that's quite a bit different, I think, from the, uh, you know, he was a much more uh, present father figure, as yeah. it were, in spite of the fact that he's a giant dick. Do you ever watch American Horror Story? Huh. My wife does, actually. Should bring her on to talk about that. So I don't watch it either. Um, but one of the one of the things that I think is really cool about it is that American Horror Story is the same cast every every season, but it's a different show. Yeah. So we have the same people playing different characters and stuff like that, which is a really cool concept. But what I like about the two Wells characters is it's one actor playing the same character in two different seasons, but he's playing it differently. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is it, essentially a different character, I think. Yeah. It like raises the bar just a little bit because you're, even though you're playing a different character, you're playing the same character. Yeah. So, um, hurting my brain. Okay. So legends of tomorrow, um, we got the legends of tomorrow two part premiere this week. Um, what'd you think of that? It wasn't two parts. It was? No. Did it all air this It was night? last week and then this week. Oh, yeah. That's right. Two part. It was, it, that is actually a two part episode though. Yeah. Yeah. It is. But, but a, a wrong week. But yeah, they, they split them up by a week. Yeah. So, um, I, so the first episode I really dug, um, and one of the reasons I really dug it too is the guy who plays Rip Hunter is all, uh, holly jolly, like sense of humor kind of guy but then he he's got some moments where he's super serious and i wasn't expecting that to happen like when it explains that it was his kid that died at the beginning of the episode spoilers anyway yeah which uh was brilliantly done i thought i really liked that scene that whole thing was awesome um also you know why i expected that um it, it, doctor who fans if you're watching this show 
you're going to get like such a crazy nerd boner over the fact that that it's Rory playing uh, Rip Hunter because just like the way you just described him, I was like, is he talking about the doctor or is he talking about Rip Hunter? Because there's a lot of parallels between the two. So it's sort of, a, a, um, you know, a nice little um, I don't want to say homage, but there's a lot of similarities in that regard. So, yeah. And this is not the first Doctor Who ish crossover that we've had in this universe either. No. I can't Laurel, remember. Laurel and Sarah's mom was played by River Song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, just FYI yeah. for, for you nerds out there. Uh-huh. You probably already <laughs> knew. Um, but, yeah, I, I really liked Rip Hunter. Um, I, I liked his introduction, and that was somewhat believable. But, yeah, th- there were so many parallels. I was like, is it the Doctor or is it Rip Hunter? Like, for example, when uh, uh, Rip Hunter goes up against the Time... Uh, what do they call it? Time Council? Yeah. Yeah, you know, rather than the Council of Time Lords. Yeah, he's he's essentially a Time Lord. <laughs> yeah, like more or less, he, he's just like you know. So I'm not actually a Time Lord. Like it's like a Time Lord without regenerations, essentially, as far as we know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they're gonna come up with that next season. Like he's gonna be like, oh, he's dying, and then he's like, no, Gideon's gonna save him. Another another nerd tidbit that I noticed, um, Gideon. Yeah. So the computer on the uh, on the ship. Also the same computer that uh, Eobard Thawn had when he came back. That was Gideon as well. Gideon is sort of like the good Skynet, I think. Like, Gideon yeah. starts off as, um, you know, something that Barry made, uh, at least according to, in, in show canon, uh, Gideon is created by Barry, um, which we haven't obviously gotten to yet, but that's going to be a fun moment. Yeah. Like, what are we going to call it? Well, I guess we kind of have to call it Gideon. I mean, yeah. We've already figured that part out. <laughs> um so, but yeah, we, we go from the Gideon in the time vault to, you know, Gideon in the, in Rip Hunter's ship and shit like that. So, yeah. I also wonder if it's just not like, you know, what they call windows in the future, essentially. Like it's just a piece of software that, that, that everybody buys. Like you go to the uh, local, um, well, you probably don't go anywhere because everything gets downloaded even now, but yeah. Like you walk on the ship and you're like, Hey, Gideon. Oh man, you only have 3.0. Yeah. Fuck. What, are, what are you doing? still using Gideon 3.1. Gideon 95 is way better. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, the, the Gideon thing was, I thought, pretty cool. Um, some familiar faces uh, in, in the show, of course, but one that I was not expecting to see at all, Damien Dark. Yeah, this week. This week he, he was at the, um, the the nuclear missile sale. Yeah. Which I, I, I don't, I don't know that it was 100% necessary, but I thought it was way cool for them oh, to do yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My only concern with doing that is Damien Dark is an excellent villain, almost so much to the point where you don't necessarily want to put him in the same show as um, Vandal Savage if you're trying to make Vandal Savage like your your big baddie. Like you don't really want to take the focus off him so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't necessarily he didn't have a big enough part to do that. I think it was more of just an homage and and kind of a neat little uh, Easter egg to throw in. Yeah, um, but. I don't know why, but I'd never suspected that Damien Dark was, you know, like, I don't know if he, I don't think he's immortal, but certainly long lived, um, um, in that way. So, I mean, we saw him in 75. Um, but yeah, lots of cool shit in there. Um, I really actually like the chemistry of the cast overall. Like, uh, there's a lot of parts that were pretty cool. I, I like, um, the scene with Dr. Stein and, um, the two bad guys, Snart and, uh, Heat guy, whose fucking name I forget. Um, <laughs> Because honestly, he doesn't really need to be there. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, um, it was revealed uh, pretty early on. Uh, again, spoilers that uh, somebody was gonna die in in Legends, and I was like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> Heat guy's screwed." <laughs> like, he's the 
he's the one that I everybody cares the least about. I think even even though you know um, what's his face Carter, who of course actually ate it by the end of the second episode, yeah, um, was the one that went down. Um, he he only had you know like say one or two episodes of screen time on the Flash and Arrow crossover essentially, and uh, I I still would have preferred he stuck around than he. I mean uh, he's had his moments in the wave. show probably more so than he did on the Flash. Um, the yeah. first episode I really dug it when they went to the bar. Oh, definitely. That was that was hilarious. Canary yeah. kind of got her groove on and decided to kick somebody's ass. But yeah, speaking of Canary, I have some advice for for Thea. <laughs> Do some bong rips. Yeah, yeah apparently, um, apparently, good weed is the answer to the uh, the Lazarus Pit bloodlust because uh, Sarah was fucking <laughs> stoned. <laughs> I'm actually kind of pissed off that they don't. Um, like as big of a deal as the Lazarus Pit bloodlust was for Thea, who wasn't even fully dead. Like it's still a big deal. Yeah, it's still a big deal in universe. Canary, who who is like dead, dead for weeks, brought Months, back by the pit. Probably. Yeah, brought back by the pit, has bloodlust for about oh I don't know ten minutes, and now like it's not even a. It, I think it barely got a mention in the first two episodes of Legend. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that was just my my advice for Thea. I mean, if she's looking to overcome that, I can recommend a couple good strains. Skywalker OG. Oh, you know what? She would, but Ollie killed her fucking guy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Damn it. That's true. Way to go, Oliver. Yeah. If you weren't such a prude, anyway. So yeah, that's I, I thought that was hilarious. There was there was a lot of a lot of pot references in this last episode. I mean, granted, it was what seventy one. Oh yeah, like uh, I think Canary took somebody out with a bong. Yeah, I, I don't remember if it was Canary, but it somebody was Stein, did. and yeah. she knocked out Young Stein with his bong. That, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, the the whole Young Stein aspect too was pretty funny. I thought. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit cliche. Like you kind of know as as tight laced as Stein is in the modern day, the old Stein is. Uh, Young Stein was you know that little bit of cliche of like oh of course he's you know freewheeling and all that stuff, but um, it was still pretty funny to watch. It was, and I and I think that kind of had to happen because he's he's like he's the senior citizen mm-hmm. of of the group, and it's kind of funny for the the younger cast members to see what he was like when he was he was a kid as well. So I mean, but granted, he was a kid that already had two PhDs at that point in time. Yeah. Um, plus, uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I kind of when um, Firestorm, especially when Fire Firestorm first came about in, in the Flash. Um, it was all Robbie Amell. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what his in-universe name is. That's the way I thought of Firestorm. Like, this Stein guy was sort of like a okay, baggage type of character, which is, I think, a little bit kind of how that's always been played a little bit. Um, Firestorm is always essentially, you know, Robbie Amell's character or uh, Jefferson Jackson, right? Yeah. Got two first names, two last names, whatever. Um, Jefferson Jackson... Uh, is sort of the Firestorm character for a lot. And then uh, uh, Stein's just basically, um, you know, the the Jarvis version for Firestorm. Um, but this one, actually, they're giving him an actual part. And, and to me so far, uh, Stein feels like the bigger part of Firestorm than does uh, Jefferson Jackson. Um, are you, Have you read a lot of comics with Firestorm? Not a ton. Um, in fact... Uh, I think primarily I've I've mainly dealt with Firestorm through like Justice League and a little bit in like Crisis and all that stuff. So Ronnie Raymond was always the body, yeah, and Stein was always kind of the the brains of the operation, yeah. Um, 
neither one of them is a bigger part than the other because i mean they have to be together to to be yeah. firestorm and whatnot um so i i think i think they're playing stein kind of similar to how they would i mean it's just it's on it's different being on screen than it is in a comic book you know what i yeah, mean definitely um because he's in the frame and obviously with actors and shit like that you there's there's a drive to try and get people equal screen time and equal lines of dialogue and stuff so yeah um i think that's the only the only thing that's challenging about doing a character like that but ultimately i think i think they're doing it pretty well um my big yeah. bitch about this show and it's not a criticism criticism of the show as much as it is a criticism of the um methodology or the thought process and in going into making these episodes um there's been rumblings that because of the the cast size and the amount of special effects that this is an expensive show to make and so they may not do more than this season and i think right away in season two or i mean episode two um when they're fighting at uh, vandal savage's mansion mm -hmm. the special effects did not have to be as over the top as they were i mean you have ray palmer flying around in his little suit and you have heat wave and captain cold firing blasts at nobody at random yeah and just shit happening everywhere like so so if it's that expensive to do just don't do that see uh i yeah as we move on sure i think for the premiere episode though they kind of got to bring out the big guns a little bit to help capture the audience um plus when i watched that scene i was like well that was fucking cool yeah it, it was but I, I that was the whole thing is i've, I've been really kind of bummed ever since the show came out because of the fact that we may only get this one like season get another one yeah and and honestly, I probably wouldn't feel this way if they had shown the episodes as one episode or if they had been back to back, because I honestly think it was probably filmed to be shown that way. Yeah. Um, why they didn't do it, I don't know, but it is what it is. So, but overall, I'm, I'm enjoying the show. I, I, I dig it. And I think it's cool. I, they just need to be a little bit more in sync with their cross show rules of temporal mechanics. Yeah. And... That's going to actually kind of get to be a challenge, I think, because you already had to have some collaboration between the Flash and Arrow teams, and now you have to even move further into with Le uh, with Legends of Tomorrow. Like, you have to imagine there's somebody at Marvel and DC, probably a team of people, like, just in charge of continuity, basically. Yeah. Or if there's not, there should be. Um, there's never been anybody in charge of continuity at DC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess that's par for the course, then, for the TV show. But... Um, yeah, they're going to have to be, I think, a little bit more careful with the continuity because quite a lot of us are watching all three shows, and I'm sure it's going to annoy quite a lot of us as well. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, again, like I said, I don't want to put too much of a downer on this because I, I really do like it. Yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun uh, opening episode. I was actually pretty pleased by the way it went overall because um, I really felt like there were going to be certain characters that massively overshadowed the others, and I didn't think that was really true. Um, so I thought they did a pretty good job balancing, um, especially the humongous cast size that they have for this show. Yeah, I think they're all kind of getting a little bit more opportunity to to stretch their wings, so to speak. Um, Wentworth Miller is is he gets my nod in almost everything because the dude is really good. I I was a big fan of his. Um, hey Lou, <laughs> on Prison Break. Yeah, and uh, just his the cadence of his voice. Oh yeah, he gets snart so well. Yeah, like I really like uh, the way he does snart. So, um, yeah, th the way he plays snart is is uh, I think a lot of fun. Um, and I kind of expected he, 
you know, I, I hope that this show goes on longer because I think they can do a lot more, you know, with individual characters. Like, I think that having, you know, a, some of the episodes be specific character centric um, in the way that, you know, like just like watching the Avengers, the Avengers, I think, is probably the closest parallel. And the Avengers really does do that quite a bit. You know, each of the movies are sort of specific to a few characters um, and that sort of changes. And of course, the more serialized they get, um, the more that's going to be true. So I'm excited to see uh, hopefully a, a, a decently long running show, you know, four or five seasons at least would be nice. Yeah. I, I, I really, <laughs> one of my favorite lines of dialogue in, in this last episode was when he was working on disabling the cage that was holding them in, in the mansion and, Ray Palmer was like, you, you could have been an electrical engineer if your life had gone different. And Snart was like, eh, I dodged a bullet there, didn't yeah. I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's another thing I like about that character, too, is like, he's not evil. He just does not roll with that shit. Like, and he, that, like his whole thing is like, he doesn't, he doesn't have any desire to be anything different. Like, he's not a thief because his life went poorly or anything like that. He just doesn't give a shit i mean it's probably a little of both but he he's just such a great anti-hero yeah like um the the uh heat wave i think less so um it, he's he, just a fucking stark raving psycho yeah and and i think the i that's one of the only things that doesn't make any sense to me at all for him to be in this as part of this show like why he would go along with it i i've struggled like with that for a while now um but uh, uh, Snart, I think, makes a brilliant anti-hero in the show, especially when you can contrast him. Like putting him together with Ray Palmer was just a, a stroke of brilliance because they're polar opposites in many ways. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily want to uh, psychoanalyze Heatwave's character too much, but uh, my suspicion is that the reason he's going along with it is because he's not really as well put together as is he would have everybody believe and he kind of needs snart oh, from a, yeah definitely from a psychological he needs a, he needs a leadership you know a leader leader essentially yeah he's he's a follower not a leader and so and so it, it, it's explainable that way and and honestly who knows maybe he'll end up being significant in in the show as we go on yeah so um but yeah, uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, check it out because it's it's awesome, and I, I think we we want more shows like this because the more shows we get like this, and the more people that watch them, the more that people know that there's a demand for and a as, good superhero show. As much as it feels like it's definitely a part of the Flash and Arrow universe too, it's a very different show. Like I, I think that there, it's a very different show from the Flash and Arrow. So um, this this I think has the potential to be. Uh, a show that brings in you know new completely separate fans um although obviously a lot of existing fans of the flash and arrow are going to be the ones watching it primarily but i think that um the the different dynamic of the show has the potential to bring in you know a completely different audience essentially um but and i just remember thinking that like it, this is a very different show from what we've seen so far and it goes you know as much as the flash introduced the whole metahuman concept and all that stuff it was sort of a you know not quite rooted in reality but like explained sort of situation and then they're just like ah fuck it magic you know magic time travel whatever yeah yeah like uh they they just throw all these different elements in there so um quite different from the other two anywho yeah totally um before we move off of dc totally um i want to talk a little bit of supergirl i'm i'm honestly behind a couple episodes so i don't really have anything new to contribute to that but there has been rumors swirling that they're possibly thinking about bringing uh superman onto the show 
Did I not? Did we not talk about that? I'm sure I meant to put that in some show notes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's on here. But uh, um, no. Tom um, Welling was the name that was being tossed around quite a bit. Yep. And Welling said that um, while it's in, in it's intriguing process, and he's not sure how he would play the character because when he played it, he was just Clark Kent, and he wasn't Superman until the very end. Spoilers. Um, he said he's not quite sure how he would play a character um, at this at this juncture because he's obviously Superman, who's been Superman now. Um, so we'd have to think about it, but ultimately nobody's asked him yet. So yeah, it, it's, a, it's a strong rumor, but nothing more than a rumor at this point. But when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, do that. Yeah. Make that happen. I mean, honestly, it kind of defeats the purpose that they're trying to play out in the show, but let's be honest, the show is, it's going to be dead in the water if they don't do something different. Um, it's improving, but not fast enough to probably keep a viewership for more than a season or two. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Cause it's actually... I was very surprised to see ratings for the show, um, just, you know, having watched it myself. And I think that there's no small part of it that are probably, you know, people like me who are watching the show because, you know, we like that sort of content, but not necessarily because it's a fantastic show. Um, but it is getting better in some regards. There's still, you know, there's still some definite flaws with the show. Um, you know, not quite a show killing flaws, but there's some major flaws, I think still with the show that they really need to kind of work past. Um, and if they get Superman in the show and somehow manage to not have that overshadow Supergirl, which is what tends to happen basically every time Superman shows up in the Supergirl universe, um, it would be brilliant. And I think that actually Tom Willing would be a good way to do that. So Tom Welling would be an excellent way to bring Superman to the show. The only thing that I, I think they'd have working against them in that situation is Smallville was on for 10 years and there's a big following for that show still. Yeah. And which is, I mean, that's half the reason my wife doesn't like Arrow is because she was used to Justin Hartley playing Oliver Queen and she felt it was, it was too soon after Smallville ended to, to roll something else out Yeah, with a different actor. So um, you're going to get a little bit of feedback from that because obviously we, we had a Jimmy Olsen in Smallville and we had lots of other things. Plus, Yeah, there's some definite universe differences. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I'm still going to watch it. And if Tom Welling comes on there, I'm not going to be a naysayer because I like the, I like that dude. Yeah, you know, there, there's a very real possibility that we're going to, going to go the same route if Tom Welling gets a guest star spot um, that they went with... Uh, um, uh, Vandervoort, Laura Vandervoort, Laura. Yeah. Okay. Laura Vandervoort. Um, yeah. Vandervoort. Uh, she, I did the same thing this last time we talked about her too. Have it's a possible. simpler name. God damn. I don't have my gun. So you're yeah. Safe. Um, it's entirely possible. They're going to do the same thing that way though. Tom Welling will come on, but he's not going to play Superman or Clark Kent. He's going to play a completely different character, which is, which is kind of too bad because I mean, the way I look at it is if you get Tom Welling to come in and play Superman, then there's a possibility you get Erica Durrance coming on as Lois Lane. And Oh, man. Just think of how many people you'd tie in if you did something That's like that. That's my boo right there. Besides that, <laughs> besides that, um, aside from the fact that those shows already have huge followings, Tom Welling's a great Superman. He is. And it's sort of a per- he's sort of a perfect TV Superman. There was a huge push for him to actually uh, take the lead in Superman Returns when they were doing that movie before they cast Brandon Routh, which yeah. um, I don't think would have worked for the movie that they made. But then again, the movie they made didn't really work anyway. Yeah. Um, you certainly couldn't have made it that much worse. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, if you're going to do a continuation of the Christopher Reeve Superman, though, I think Brandon Routh was a good choice because he has a lot of similar features to Christopher Reeve. So, 
Oh yeah, definitely. Like there, Brandon Routh's casting in that movie, I think he he doesn't immediately strike you as Christopher Reeve, but there were certain parts of that movie where I was like, holy shit! Well, like that that was the one redeeming quality for me for that movie. And it's telling of a Superman movie where the best line of dialogue in the entire movie was toward the beginning after he saves Lois on the plane, mm. and he's like, you know, statistically speaking you know travel by plane is still safer than you know yeah what because that's that's a direct line from like the original donner superman so it they had to recycle dialogue to get the best line of dialogue in the entire movie essentially yes um but like you said there were lots and lots of problems with superman returns um man yeah yeah that's the short of it spacey was was decent in in some aspects of being lex Luthor, and then there were other scenes where he was just chewing the scenery. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> that I mean that that part of it, and then there's just the whole um, the fucking Kryptonite Island thing just drove me insane. The like, Kryptonite Island that didn't kill Superman. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. didn't kill Superman that he could fucking lift, even though you know a tiny little sliver of Kryptonite weakens him to the point that he can barely move. Uh, but the, you know, no problem. We'll lift a whole fucking island of the shit. Yeah. No, I agree. I yeah. I don't even know. Oh yeah, because we were talking about Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got one more show, TV show to cover, and yeah. um, we won't talk in too much about all of it because Eddie hasn't seen the second episode. Yeah, my bad. Uh, so the X Files came back this week to much fanfare and much, uh, uh, I guess, anticipation. Yeah, probably one of the more highly anticipated shows of the year. Let, let me start out by saying, fuck you, Fox Network, for premiering the show immediately after the championship football game. I cannot believe they did not give a, a, a better time slot. I mean, for shit's sakes, I had to wait till it was on demand the next day before I could watch it because I DVR'd it, but I had 20 fucking minutes of, of post-game football. football. Yeah, And don't get me wrong, I watch football, but that's not what I turned my TV on to watch that night. Yeah, again, the huge, huge cult following this show has. I was amazingly surprised to see that they were debuting the premiere episode whenever the fuck the football game ended. Like they, um, that that's usually like a death slot. Like the su- Sunday night and Friday night, I think, are probably some of the the, the two. Uh, well, really, Friday through Sunday are kind of the worst nights for TV, generally speaking. So I was really surprised to see that they debuted it after the football game and didn't give it a nice preferential, you know, huge time slot. Yeah. So here's here's the thing. Before we get too much into the X-Files, Sunday night was a weird fucking night for TV last week because it's what my buddy Virgil refers to as Championship Sunday. And he actually likes that 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 particular day better than the Super Bowl because you have the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game, and those are the two championship games that decide what two teams play in the Super Bowl. Word. It's a huge, huge day for football. That much I know. So then you have X-Files premiering that night. On the other side of things, you have Vince McMahon deciding that he's going to go ahead and do his Royal Rumble pay-per-view head-to-head against the NFL Championship games as well which i i as far as i know has never been done before either so that seems insane because you gotta think that the cross the crossover audience for those are huge um you know here's the thing i was thinking the same thing but then the more i think about it most of the pay-per-view buys are through the wwe network which you're paying 9.99 a month for anyway 
Yeah. So it doesn't really, he doesn't give a shit if you're watching on TV that night because you're paying the subscription rate anyway. Mm-hmm. So as long as he can sell 40,000 tickets to the people that are going to be in the arena, he's fine. That's a good point. So, um, but I mean, to me, it was really weird. And then um, I ended up being at the coast all day anyway. So I didn't watch the football games, the pay-per-view, and I didn't get to watch the X-Files until later because of the fucking yeah. DVR. So, yeah, Fox I mean, just goddamn Fox, get your shit together. Like, how many years do we have to do this where you completely fuck over a brilliant TV show? And and first off, before we go too far, I'm not quite sure that I'm ready to call this a brilliant revival. Um, but how many years do we have to go through where you just absolutely fuck over good properties, um, you know, through stupid shit like this, like preempting it with sports? Uh, God, where else did that happen? Um, only like one of the best shows ever, which is Firefly, which, you know, Fox basically uh, killed. Destroyed. Yeah. By not airing the episodes in the order they were supposed to be aired in and then preempting them every fucking chance they got. Yeah. Like, I'm a realist. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that there is a very good possibility that Firefly, may, even if they got brilliant time slots, it may not have succeeded because a big part of its demise, too, was the fact that it was relatively expensive for its time. But Jesus Christ, like, if you're going to give it that much of a chance, uh, um, that little of a chance to succeed, uh, it's just not going to work. Plus, Especially with a new show, a brand new show. So X-Files is kind of in that vein now, too. I mean, they definitely are going to have this huge cult following that will keep following it. But well, and the for thing, a lot of people, it's new. The thing with Firefly, too, is is in terms of science fiction shows, um, if you didn't fall into a very specific niche, people didn't get it. Yeah. So if you weren't Star Trek. Yeah. You were kind of SOL, um, and and what Firefly did that was unlike anything else is Firefly wasn't necessarily a sci-fi TV series. It was a Western. Oh, yeah, definitely. Space Western. Yeah. That's actually probably one of my favorite genres. There's, It's not super well represented, um, but I, I love the Space Western. It's like Cowboys and Aliens? Yeah. I did, too. I thought it was... I thought it, was it wasn't a great movie, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, me too. Daniel Craig, I thought it was good. Harrison Ford. Yeah. I mean, I didn't understand any of the dialogue. Oh, that should go in the show notes, too. Have you seen Spectre yet? No. Okay. I have. I, I mean, I, I, I have an opportunity to see it. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. So, um, what'd you think of it? I liked it, actually. Did you? Um, it's not one of the probably best of the Bond movies, but I liked it. I think Skyfall was probably a little bit better. I still uh, think Casino Royale is has been the strongest of the franchise so far. No. No? Skyfall. Skyfall? Skyfall. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, don't get me wrong. Casino Royale was was great, and I really liked... Uh, I really liked them taking a different look at James Bond to introduce Daniel Craig. See, I think the thing is, is that I'm probably giving it a little bit of extra credit because it's sort of the debut of the character, and it was a, a strong movie in general. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Don't get me wrong. I, I really enjoyed Casino Royale. Quantum Solace fell victim to the writer's strike, obviously. It was yeah. not nearly as good as what it could have been. Um, and you know what? Honestly, I think if if this is kind of a every other Bond movie is I mean, superior. Even going back to classic Bond, like that's the, pretty much the best you could hope for. Yeah. And I, and I think Bond fans are probably okay with it for the most part. So. Oh, definitely. But, oh, let's talk about X-Files. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what did you think? Um, I really actually liked it. It. So, did you see um, the second movie? No. It was dog shit. Well, then I guess I didn't miss much. <laughs> um, I was a big fan of the TV show. Um, maybe the last two seasons were a little bit, eh, because Mulder was either 
like oh he's here and you know he's not here and whatnot yeah um so that was kind of hard to deal with robert patrick to his credit did a really good job coming in and and kind of yeah but it is a little bit like uh, but he's not Mulder. i yeah, mean x files exactly. is Mulder and scully it's like oh hey look it's not Mulder. you know yeah. like it's like when they brought fucking uh what's his name in the that 70s show except for the to the x files credit it didn't turn into a complete abortion when uh Mulder started stepping away well here's the thing i mean some shows have gotten away with it and still been relatively good um you've seen all of stargate sg1 right? yeah, i was just gonna say sg1 first thing that jumps to mind i i, I really like ben browder although mm-hmm. I, I miss the shit out of uh uh o'neill um ben browder did great yeah, and, and the show remained, you know, super solid. So, and what was good about the Ben Browder character too is he was just different enough from the character that he played in Farscape. Yeah, but it was it, they brought in, um, um, uh, is it what's her Claudia name? Claudia Black. Claudia Black. Yeah, as as uh, Vala. Yeah, and or yeah, Maldoran, something like that. I, don't I think remember. you're right. Yeah. I, think, I think I just called her Vala, Vala, Val, Val, something like that. And the the chemistry that those two have on screen is amazing. Um. Anyway, like that's I'm honestly so I'm not a huge Farscape fan, and I'll be the first one to admit that. No, I've only actually seen a couple episodes. It it's really hard to watch sometimes. I mean, it's, it is it it was for me now because it it really suffers from the fact that it was not a very well budgeted show. No, and uh, uh, it's aged you know quite a bit at this point. So, but I do like Ben Browder's character. Yeah, um, and definitely, it, and and Claudia Blacks as well. So, I mean, it, the fact that they were able to pull that off was was genius. Um, but X Files didn't do that really. I mean, they didn't have that success with uh, with the the Doggett character. No. Um, and then the the movie, the second movie, got really religious. Yeah, and like it it didn't need to be like if I would have done an X Files movie. And it was going to be that I would have used the premise that they're using in the show right now, which I really like. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, so the premise at this point, essentially what we learned from the season one op- opener, uh, or not season one, but this would still be season 10, I believe. So they, they actually are continuing along. This would be season 10. Yeah. Yeah. Season 10, episode one, it's sort of revealed that, uh, aliens don't, uh, or do exist, um, but most of the shit we're t- we've been uh, investigating for the past nine seasons of X Files has essentially been man-made. You know, um, all the the big bads essentially are you know some sort of evil cabal of secret characters, um, but humans, not aliens. Yeah, I like I like the direction they took with it because I think, and this is just me, and you know I've been wrong before, like once or twice or something. I dig the fact that they are taking a different look at, at things and they brought they I mean it, they used a relevant way to bring Mulder and Scully back. Yeah, you know, the, that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about the show. They they really went um not over first off, if it's a little overt, but it's not like a slap you in the face with it overt. Um with with the whole privacy angle and and all of that stuff. Um you know, which sort of ties into modern concerns, you know, like privacy is a big deal these days. Um, so I, I thought that was a cool way for them to be relevant. I also, um, I, I was really set to be fucking pissed because I thought for a second that they were going to destroy the idea that aliens existed in the X-Files mythos. And they still clearly do. 
It's just that all of the secret conspiracy shit that we're looking at, it hasn't really been caused by them. It's not the aliens that have been fucking with us. It's been our own government. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, I, I think, honestly, with, with all of the political upheaval in our country right now, and, and how the fact that, you know, the two-party system is coming under pretty heavy scrutiny and the 99%, as you will, are, are just, we're not happy mm-hmm. from a, a social standpoint. Um, I think Fox took a smart, a smart route to go with that. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, it, it, that's what it seems like to me. Um, and they give us something entertaining to watch on Sunday while the actual crooked politicians are fucking us over in the background. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay, actually, Monday night. since we're talking about the X-Files, the conspiracy theory could be that the X-Files revival was created so that they could distract us, uh, you know, by sort of standing in the crowd uh, uh, from the actual bullshit that's going on. Yeah. It's life entertaining art. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so um, were you not expecting um joel McHale to start making fun of hollywood celebrities though in the middle of it oh god yes because i i didn't really watch community but i definitely buy him more in in the role uh uh that he was in in community than i do in i only ever saw him in the soup yeah because he he hosted the the soup after um uh henson yeah quite a while yeah was that his name henson i don't fucking know fucking whatever yeah i don't as a rule watch e no, no, I've seen the soup a few times though, and it was Joel McHale though, so it was, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I the thing to me and watch watch Scully especially uh, through this, um, and it's really funny. Her her voice is different mm-hmm. than it was, and and I found out that actually she's been living in England for a really long time and, and talks with an accent like pretty heavily now so she's gonna stop herself yeah so and i think that has to do with with her dialogue and it's kind of funny um actually there's a really good interview between her and um chris hardwick um if you listen to the nerdist podcast from uh i don't know six months ago or so well maybe a year i don't know it was before like they had only like suggested that they that she should redo that they she should go back to doing the x-files and stuff and like on that show she was like if if David's on board and we can get Fox on board, then we'll do it for sure. Yeah. And now we have it. So, yeah. Um, I wonder if like somebody was just listening and like, well, well, come on. (laughs) Honestly, there's so few original ideas on TV right now that I'm sure they were just like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's been a few years. We could do that again. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 well, I think they're, they're talking about reviving prison break too, which, how many times can you break out of fucking prison? That and they killed Michael Schofield. Spoilers at the end. <laughs> so like when you have Wentworth Miller as the main character, like what do you do? Like you can't have it with just Dominic Purcell. Yeah. And and um, what's her face? Who was Laurie on the Sarah Wayne Callis? Callis, yeah. Um, plus she's in a new show now. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. Which I haven't watched yet. I, I need to because I heard it's 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 what, it's an interesting. What show concept. is that? Um, she plays a, a character um, that is living in a city that's been crazy captured by outside forces that are I, we don't know if they're human or not, but they're living uh, basically in a. I think I've seen previews for this, and I meant to at least kind of pay attention to it. And I, forgot. I meant, I meant to consider watching it, and then yeah, I did. I did. It, same, yeah. same. <laughs> someday I might have actually watched an episode. Yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah, you know what else? I, I, I'm sorry. This is everybody complained about this in Star Wars, and it's just as superficial now as it was then. But watching this doesn't it strike you like, oh my god, they got older? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife, especially like, Duchovny. You know what's funny? My my wife, we were watching it. And she's like, "Gosh, uh, um, Jillian, Jillian aged," and I was like, "Dude, no." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd bang her like she was the coffee table, and I was, you know, my toe. Um, uh, <laughs> like she she still looked totally hot to me, but um, Duchovny, yeah, Duchovny strikes me as got, have having gotten way older. Um, so yeah, it but that didn't you know it's not like it takes anything away from it. They're still uh, far from you know they're Hollywood old, not old regular old. They're yeah, Australian. yeah. See, dude, Nude. that's like Nude recent with an eel. Yeah, this is um that is not twenty thirteen sometime. That is not even like a metaphor couldn't be more on the nose do, do you want me to save that so you can put it in the show notes <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll have an audience poll would you bang uh, uh jillian anderson still yeah absolutely no question <laughs> uh um man if we ever had a female audience they've got to be gone by now um so I'll let you do that with the markup and whatnot. Cause we got anything else in the X-Files? Um, not necessarily because you haven't seen the second episode yet, which is, um, better. Really? Okay, yeah. good. Cause the, the premiere episode to me was not bad. Uh, but I just would say lackluster. Like it, there was not a, really any moment of the, the show where I was like glued to the TV with, with, without getting into any spoilers or anything like that. You get a little bit more Skinner. Yeah. Which is always a good thing as far as the X-Files is concerned. Yeah. Um, Mitch and, Pileggi. And you get the two of them actually working together. Awesome. As as a team. And not there's there's not any like back and forth. Yes, I'm in. Now I'm out. Yeah. Now I'm lying about something. All right. Well, so. I think that's our X-Files chat for this week. We're going to take a beer break and I'm going to put some more shit in the show notes for you. Right on. Um, so I, I added a couple of things too, to, to talk about that we'll hit um, briefly. Yeah. Um, so my kids got Lego Dimensions for Christmas this year. Yeah. Um, which is a really super fun game. If you like any of the Lego games that have happened before, um, you'll like Lego Dimensions. Um, problem is, is affordability because once you buy the game, um, which I think retails for around a hundred bucks or something like that right now. Jesus Christ. Maybe seventy or eighty. I don't remember what the what the regular price is. Is but. that another one of those like uh, uh, sort of. Uh you buy the game and then you get all the collectible figurines type yes. of shit with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, we had Skylanders for a long time. Yeah. Uh, a couple different games. They only ever really played one. Um, we, we bought them the swap force one. And I think that game got played twice the entire time we had it. Huh. Um, sounds like probably had several hundred dollars worth of the Skylanders figures. Um, got approximately $26 in trade for him when I took him into GameStop. You know, I kind of get the feeling that when we get, you know, say 10 years out, Skylanders and all that shit is going to be like uh, pogs for probably this generation. Um, so I was really apprehensive about getting them this game because it's the same principle kind of a thing. But then yeah. when you come down to it, at the end of the day, if you don't want to play the game anymore, the Lego figures are still Legos. I mean, they are legit Lego figures. Like the actual NFC chip isn't embedded in the Legos itself. You actually stick the Lego to the nfc chip oh, so that's actually pretty cool so when my kids are done with it they'll still play with the legos or i will i don't give a fuck you know 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so to me, it's a better investment than Skylanders for sure. Um, and it's a fun game. The only thing is, is um, there's a couple properties that aren't aren't represented. Like there's no Marvel or Star Wars Bummer. figures in this particular game. Um, but uh, it because I think it's primarily Warner Brothers um, properties. The, you've got Wizard of Oz um, there. Um, the game itself actually comes with Lego um, Batman. It comes with a Batmobile. Uh, it comes with Wild Style, who, if you're familiar with the Lego movie at all, um, she's the female lead. Yeah. Um, in the Lego movie, um, and Lego Gandalf. And one of the few um, Wild Style is actually probably one of the few uh, quintessentially Lego characters, like original Lego characters. And what's what's crazy is when she fights on screen, it looks like the fight scenes from the Lego movie. Yeah. That's actually one of the things I really like about the Lego uh, property in general these days is that um, it translates really well across mediums. Um, yeah, my friend was actually recommending we check out uh, Disney Infinity, and, and it's the same sort of concept. You know, you have the base thing and you buy all the shit for it, um, but you still get to play with them when you're done, essentially. So, uh, But yeah, I don't know. That that's my kids have like the attention span of like a fly, uh, so I I I hesitate to buy them anything like this because I get the feeling that I'm gonna end up spending like three hundred dollars on figurines that they're not gonna give a shit about like literally in a week. Yeah, um, I I dig it so far. I haven't got to play it as much as I'd like to because my kids haven't actually put together some of the the pieces to it yet. So when you get a character that has a vehicle, yeah, you don't get the instructions to build the vehicle like until you're actually in the game. And then it pops up an on-screen instruction booklet and teaches you how to build it. Oh, really? Yeah, which is that's actually cool. pretty cool. It is. Um, when they when they opened it on Christmas, we were at my dad's house yeah. and we were, I, you know, I was helping to put together the portal and whatnot because there's an instruction book for the portal, and then the figurines are there. I mean, they're they're just Lego dudes, so everybody knows how to put together the Lego dudes. You put the legs yeah. on the body and the head on the body, and then the Boom, arms, Lego guy. and you're good. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, "Where's the instruction for the Batmobile?" And they're like, "It's not here." And I'm like, what the fuck you mean it's not here? So I and I, I looked it up on my phone. And I was like, nope, they're in game. And I was like, oh, so go ahead and throw the pieces back in the box. We'll do it when we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. So in more Lego news, you mentioned, yeah, you, know, you brought up Lego Marvel's Avengers. And this one I am super excited for. My kids played the shit out of the um, previous, uh, what's it called? Is it Marvel Superheroes or something like that? Yeah, just I think it's just yeah, it's not, like a Marvel it's not Superheroes. the Avengers, although the Avengers are probably uh, some of the main characters in it, but it's got like Spider-Man and um, some of the other uh, Marvel characters as well. Yeah, and I'm hoping this one does too, because even though it's called Lego Marvel Avengers, like I'm, I'm hoping there's other characters that you can get throughout it. For sure. I do like the original Lego Marvel game a lot because it's, it, I mean, the X-Men are represented as well as Spider-Man yeah. and, you know, all the big properties, Fantastic Four. Yeah, that's one that my kids like. That's another game where the story isn't super super long, but there's a ton and ton of shit you can do outside of that. And my kids have got to be at like ninety percent on that game, which is like the most attention they've ever paid to anything. Yeah, I think I completed it up to like ninety five, and um, it it wasn't even my game. Like I borrowed the PS three version from my buddy's kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, but Lego Marvel's Avengers, I can't give a super in depth review because I just picked it up for the first time last night. Uh-huh. Um, but the first level is the opening scene from Age of Ultron. Like you're running through the the snow, like attacking oh, awesome. the Hydra base and whatnot, and it's broken up into three different parts or four different parts. Um, you start out as uh, um, Hawkeye and Black Widow, mm-hmm. and then it jumps over to Hulk and Iron Man, and then Captain America and Thor. And then when you actually hit the castle, it's um, 
Iron Man and, and Captain America. Captain America does ground fighting like within the castle, and then Iron Man is like flying around shooting a whole bunch of shit. Yeah, you know what this made me think of? Um, doesn't it really kind of piss you off that outside of the Arkham games, there isn't really any good superhero properties? No, not for video games. I, I mean, the Arkham the Arkham franchise is a fucking amazing. Oh, I, I love it. I've been like, uh, we got the kid a PS4 for Christmas and for my birthday, I got a copy of Arkham Knight, which I've been wanting to play. And you can go back to listen to, you know, probably episode 12 through 15 or something like that about how shitty the PC port was. So I haven't been playing that up until recently. Um, but that's like all I've been using the PS4 for essentially is for the um, Arkham Knight game. And it's fucking fun. Like, yeah. I, re- I really like that game. Um, but as I play it, you know, I just keep wishing like that they would do more. Not they, you know, like Rocksteady could adapt a different uh, uh, um, property, but that just somebody would make a decent, you know, uh, um, Superman game. Somebody would make. Nobody's another, ever made a good Superman game. Yeah, somebody would make another Spider-Man Two uh, level of uh, of you know Spider-Man game. Yeah, um, one of the cool things, and if you guys are console gamers, um, I guess the closest thing I can probably equate it to is like a Twitch type environment. But one that's that's a really cool thing about the PS4 is um, the screen share. Um, Eddie was playing Arkham Knight one night at his house, and I was bored at home. Uh, we were actually waiting to play. We were going to play Battlefront together. Yeah. And but he was like, I'm going to I'm going to check out this level on Arkham Knight and stuff. And so I was like, OK. And I, I popped on the screen share thing and, and sent him a, a request to watch him play. And it was just like I was standing at his house watching him play. I mean, it's yeah, that's a um, this is one of the things that I was actually really pleased about console wise. It, it was so fucking cool and easy to do. Um, you know, you can obviously do that. Everything you can do on the console, you can do on the PC, essentially. Um, and usually, you know, in, in better some ways, but not necessarily as simple. Like, I'm, I'm almost surprised that Steam hasn't implemented some similar feature. Um, and maybe they're getting there because we already have things like the Steam link. So clearly the technology exists in some form. They just need to, you know, expand that social part of it a little bit more. Um, cause in a lot of ways, steam is still feels like, um, now that we've got the PS4, um, steam feel feels a little bit like a last gen console concept more than a current gen console concept. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, um, I haven't been a console gamer in a really long time. I've had a PS3 for a couple of years. We haven't, I haven't played console games. Like the last time I played a console game, um, Oh gosh, uh, maybe right about when Skyrim came out. I think is about the time that my uh, Xbox 360 bit the dust. Yeah, I I didn't use my console for gaming um, nearly as much. I mean, I had some games for it, but uh, no. mostly I used it for streaming media. I was um, just gonna say it was a Netflix player for me when, uh, and you know, I played some occasional Skyrim on it. Yeah, it. <laughs> my my TV has built-in apps and whatnot too, but the. And and don't get me wrong, the Netflix app on my TV is is good, but PS4 um, version is really good. PS4 version is really good, and if you're watching um, Hulu or Amazon or anything like that, like the console is way better for that than the built-in apps on my TV. So, oh yeah, like we have. Um, so I've got a lot of shit connected to my TV. We have an Apple TV two, which you know is the same, and for all intents and purposes, the Apple TV three as far as Netflix goes, and that previously was the the winner but it really hasn't been updated or changed um in for fucking ever uh we have a roku 
I think we have the Roku XD, which is like the, uh, not quite a Roku 2, maybe, or maybe it's like a Ro- Roku 2.5 or something like that. The Netflix on that is just complete shit at this point. Like you can't even do profile switching on it. Um, but the PS4 app is actually really, really good. Um, that, that, and, uh, the PS4 has a lot more horsepower, uh, than the Roku or the Apple TV at this point. So, um, probably not the current gen offerings. Uh, the Roku, I think four is out now. Um, but those are always, you know, relatively underpowered consider compared to the others. Um, I I think if I were going to go with a straight up set top box TV thing right now, it'd probably be the Firebox because it's got the hardware, but it's not as expensive as an Apple TV. And I haven't really seen any super compelling reasons why you'd want an Apple TV over the Firebox other than AirPlay if you're really into that. Um, but, uh, the PS4 version so far is definitely the best version of the Netflix app we have in my house. I would, I, as far as set top boxes go, I mean, I would say you're probably onto something with the with the Amazon version, the Fire. What is it? Yeah. They have the Fire Stick or they have the, and the plus, Amazon. I don't remember what. The, my what my it's needs called, for but. these things are so fucking small. Like, it, really, there there's about four things I want: Netflix, HBO Go, um, Amazon Prime and uh plex in fact plex is probably my biggest requirement like there's not going to be a box in my house that can't do plex which is one reason why we'd sort of given up on the apple tv and hadn't really had any plans to go back to it i there is a plex app now available for the new apple tv but uh given that the cheapest apple tv is you know 50 percent more expensive than the next competing offering which is going to do the plex app just as well um you know why bother yeah um i Plex is a big deal for me too, and I was telling Eddie before we actually uh, went on on the show tonight. Um, I just checked out the the PS4 app for Plex, and it's way nicer. When I first tried to use it for the PS3, it required a Plex Pass account to even access media on your home network, uh, which I thought was ridiculous because it's not like I mean Plex Pass. Don't get me wrong; I mean it's it's got a lot of great features if you're using Plex from outside of your home environment. Yeah. Well, um, although the, there are cheaper ways to do it if you know how without actually paying a subscription. Well, I think the killer feature for the Plex app and what a lot of people I think use it for is so they can share it with friends and family. Um, so you buy the Plex Pass. That way you can create individual logins so that you know you can give uh, preferred access to certain people and uh, limit the amount that you know other people can do and stuff like that. So it, for that feature, it, it's pretty powerful. You know, like That would be the reason I think I would buy a Plex Pass subscription yeah. is for some sort of thing like that but uh but you know in, in investigating today i i downloaded the ps4 app and it doesn't require a, a, a plex pass for me to access it so that that was yeah. a, a, a bonus today most of my media stuff i actually um i've got a, a qnap uh which is a, a nas device um but it's a nas device that actually has a linux os embedded on it and they mo- most of them do. I think yeah. the Synology runs something similar. Uh, I mean, it's their own proprietary thing, but usually what it ends up being is some sort of skin over top of, you know, like a popular distro like Debian or Red Hat or something like that. Not yeah. Red Hat, but CentOS probably. What I, what I like about mine is is it it has an HDMI out, HDMI out which I have connected directly to my TV. Uh, so my media that's there, I can I can pop over to the HDMI input on my TV and yeah and hit play and then i'm good to go see maybe that's strange i think that that strikes me as a little strange maybe because the way that it, you know i think i typically picture a nas as basically a headless device right with a little bit of processing power like um 
I've considered a Synology and stuff like that before. Um, but like, especially being a heavy Plex user and wanting a device that's going to be able to do more things than just that. Like I've gone with a pretty ridiculous, you know, server setup, all things considered. So, um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're looking for a, a really robust NAS system, yeah, the QNAPs are a great way to go. Um, they're not inexpensive by any means i think mine was like 500 bucks and it's just a two bay setup um see that's the other thing is um i guess i'm cheap so i i I really didn't want to be stuck with you know like say even the synology like getting a a four bay or an eight bay synology runs you just under a thousand dollars yeah and when i think of the the sort of server i can build with eight hundred or a thousand dollars it's not going to be as simple but um you know as a, a, a computer nerd type of person it doesn't really bother me that much these these are probably a bit more um entry level user friendly so to speak oh yeah I mean, definitely you and i can sit down and we can build servers and whatnot but i mean not everybody's I, I think it's a good fit for either it professionals who just don't fucking want to deal with that shit when they get home um or uh, <laughs> case in point <laughs> yeah or um you know, if you don't really have that knowledge to be able to deal with that shit. Um, I, I am actually pretty impressed by this analogy. I don't know that I'd buy one for myself, like I said, but it, I, it's a solid device. Like, I like it. We should we, we should throw up links yeah. in case. Yeah. You know, if you actually purchase something from one of our Amazon affiliate links, we can get some money and then we can make more shows and uh, do cooler shit with it. Yeah, I mean, we're going to make shows anyway, but yeah, I mean, if you don't like want the to, money, if you don't want it to sound like nails on a chalkboard, <laughs> yeah. give us some money. Um so yeah, um, that's that's generally what I use uh, for for my all my media in 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 house. But now now that there's a PS4 app for the Plex, I probably won't use the on screen capabilities of the NAS nearly as much because I can just pop up Plex on the on the PlayStation. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I've I'm, I've been pretty impressed impressed with the PlayStation. You know, like uh, as a gaming device, like I'd still really prefer to have a nice beefy PC, but. Unfortunately, I can't really afford the upgrades for a nice beefy PC right now, so I'm I'm pretty happy with um, uh, what the PS4 can do. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong, PC Master Race for life, but uh, it, it's a solid box. Like no, and it's fun. I mean, you have you and I have played Battlefront together a couple times, and yeah, and it's and we we probably should have we even talked about Battlefront on the show? I think we only talked about the uh, no, the preview. yeah, we talked about the beta, I think, but yeah, yeah, that might be some yeah. Let's talk about Battlefront. Um, I dig it. Uh. Again, and I think we we covered this a little bit too. Maybe we did talk about it. I don't remember. I think we talked about it maybe a little bit. Like my it's, over, it's not for somebody who's looking to sit down and, and do a lot of solo missions or anything like that. Like there's no, there's not a single player campaign. There's a couple training missions and there's some, uh, um, some battles. Like you can do a, a co op or or a um, competitive battle with with somebody else in yeah. your house or whatnot um, or online, but. Um, it's bread and butter is MMO battles. Yeah. See, that's the thing that actually kind of, um, so first off, I like battlefront. I think they've built a solid game in terms of like gameplay mechanics and shit like that. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It it is a very pretty game. Uh, there's a lot of cool aspects that, you know, give you that sort of star Wars feeling. Um, but the thing that's disappointing to me is that, uh, Aside from there being more multiplayer modes than there would be in your typical, say, like Call of Duty, Halo, etc. 
those games all, all come with significantly more game i think you know there's more multiplayer modes in battlefront than there are in those types of games generally but they usually come with a giant campaign that you can play through too which i i think is really lacking and one of the things that i'm not really excited about this current generation is that there's not really a, a huge star wars game for me like the last the last huge star wars game for me was probably knights of the old republic um jedi uh what's it called not jedi i want to say jedi knight or jedi outcast but that's not right it's the oh the force unleashed games yeah i didn't play those they were okay but uh nothing you know really to write home about so i mean the last really great star wars game i thought was sort of the um uh um that fucking game i just said nice of the old republic yeah so you like one or two better one did you i i really like that game wasn't two more Centered around like Revan, though, I think so. Revan, yeah, I like that. I think I like the story better. Yeah. Plus, you got the Mandalore armor and stuff like that, like but, which was badass. But I just I want there to be more uh, um, better style games. Like, there's so much rich story. Like that was the thing about the um, Force Unleashed game. The story kind of sucked, and the missions got a little repetitive. And I think that they could have done a better job with that game. I mean, there was a lot of cool technology shit in there. Like I remember watching it and seeing like the way that they use the different engines, like the Havoc engine, and, and you know having you know stormtroopers you could pick up and throw. There was like it, it it was really good in that aspect, but the story was really kind of lacking. Um, in Battlefront, there's no story. I mean, no. There's no story whatsoever. So I'd really like to see a continuation like that. Um, you know, this is another thing that, you know, playing the Arkham Arkham games, I really enjoy the story. Like the Arkham games, not this one. Arkham Knight, not so much. I think Arkham Knight borrows from... Uh, I, I don't want to say it because it's a pretty big spoiler for the game if you haven't played it yet. Um, but Bar- Arkham Knight borrows, you know, some pretty established mythos already. Um, but the other Arkham games felt to me like um, sort of their own thing expanding the batman universe yeah and i'd really like to see star wars do the same thing is is arkham knight pretty open world like uh, arkham city was oh even more so is it because I, I loved like one of my favorite things about arkham city is like you're swinging around you know grappling from building to building and whatnot yeah and you look up and like fucking azrael standing on top of something you know what i mean like there's just cool shit like that that happens throughout that game um, same it, Arkham Knight if anything expands that there's more shit like that good um, good I, I'll probably have to borrow it from you one of these times yeah <laughs> but uh, no I'm, so yeah I, I to your point as much as Battlefield I, or Battlefront I really like Battlefront for the MMO style um, yeah. portion of it and it's fun I'm not good at it by any means like I'll go out and get I'll, I'll die three times more than I'll kill people you know half the time yeah same um, but I have fun, you know, I have fun when I'm, when I'm running around and, and pretending to be, you know, a stormtrooper or a rebel soldier, or even like one of the, one of the really cool, um, things is there's different modes you can play. And the mode I like to play is there's little tokens and occasionally you'll run across one that's a hero token. And so, and it'll replace your character with, depending on what side you're playing, I could be Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker or yeah. what have you. And there's really three for each side. You get to play as either Han, Leia, or Luke um, for the light side. And then on the dark side, you get to play um, the Emperor, Boba Fett, Boba Fett or uh, um, Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah, those are super fun. It's like, th- don't get me wrong. The multiplayer aspect, I, th- I think, is a pretty, like, it's a good game. Like, that that part is, I just think it's lacking. Like, is it a $60 game? That's the question I think that I don't. Or more. I mean, depending on if you're, what, what edition. Like, um, I have the deluxe edition because it came with um, the Darth Vader 
yeah custom console and that, that's the other thing that kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth is that it's very ea and that it is constantly uh not i mean it, it's it's a game designed to extract mo- more money from you so you paid for the 60 dollar game that's only maybe arguably 60 dollars worth of game and then th- there there's constant you know like it, it's a it very dlc driven yeah um i mean you can certainly play the game without buying any more shit for it but um, you know, can like, you though? I mean, because here's the thing: uh, they released uh, the Jakku missions for free, right? Yeah. But I, it, this is a game that I can very much see, like when the next drop comes of content, like people all but abandon the the legacy content. Yeah, it, it'll be a little like wow in that respect. Like, yeah. Once the next expansion comes out, essentially. Yeah, you have to upgrade to that. Like, if you're gonna play it, you gotta. Upgrade. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, if you're gonna buy the DLC for it, the season pass is obviously the way to go. It's fifty bucks. Yeah. Um, but it entitles you to all of the new, all of the expansions when they come out, instead of having to pay whatever the 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 per diem cost is. Yeah. You know, for each one. So. Um, I mean, that's that's probably what I'll do in the long run, but. I haven't really played that much in the last couple of weeks, so maybe I won't even do it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of one of those. See, that's the thing for me too. Like I really do. I like the multiplayer aspect of it, but for me, I've never really been a, a hugely multiplayer driven uh, fan outside of maybe MMORPGs. Like wow. Um, wow. I could play the shit out of for a really long time. Um, I would like it to be more role playing driven and have let, you know, like it'd be nice if wow wasn't meant to appeal to lowest common denominator as far as like specs and computer shit goes. Um, because they could it's do way better now. Yeah. FYI. They could do a more interesting shit like, like that. And I haven't played wow for five years, probably at least. I know. Um, but, um, uh, I, I like that style of game more like the MMO shooter games, um, you know, like this, I, I generally just don't, you know, I, I, I go through phases where I like, I want to play them for a couple of weeks and then I just don't touch it for a month. And then, you know, eventually I'll go, Oh yeah, that was fun. And I'll play that again for a little while. Um, but it's never been something that like I've, I've been, uh, really heavily into. Um, and, and for me, you know, like a big part of the games, like, a big part of the reason why I enjoyed Halo, which had, you know, probably one of the strongest multiplayer uh, experiences as far as shooters go of the time. A big part of the reasons why I, no, the reason I love those games was the story, the story, the campaign missions. Yeah. And that just completely lacks from Battlefront. So um, Battlefront's solid game. If you like MMO style shooters, um, that, that is all really pretty good. Um, But it's not, it's not amazing. Like, that's the thing. I mean, when when you really come down to it, I don't want to say... Yeah, no, actually, it is it is kind of run-of-the-mill. Like, no. it's not doing anything really that Battlefront... Or Battlefield, rather, hasn't already done in most respects, except for putting a Star Wars skin on the whole thing. The here Here's what it has going for it. And this is entirely its bread and butter, is... A, it's beautiful to look at. Oh, yep. Agreed. B, it's a Star Wars game. Yeah. I mean, I, that that really is what it is. I mean, for the first time on a grand scale, I mean, this is not the first Battlefront game there's been. Because there's there was... Um, one and two, of course, obviously. One and two, which did have solo missions. Uh, Republic Commando. Yeah. They, and they did actually have a solo play. Like, there was a campaign involved in it. So, this is the third iteration, really. Mm-hmm. Fourth, third, fourth, whatever. And... 
it doesn't have any of that, but it is, it's a very pretty game. And like, for example, when, when you're on, um, the indoor moon, like that's like, I want to be there. You know what I mean? Like see, it's, it's really a good looking environment. See, but that's, that's the thing too. As pretty as all of those levels are like all of the levels, I mean, Hoth, Hoth is pretty boring. I think relatively compared to the other <laughs> ones, because it's just snow planet, but there's only really four there's four levels essentially you yeah. have hoth Endor, um jakku and tatooine um and that's solace a solace that's right um they're, they're all very pretty but there's just not that many of them yeah and here's the thing there's going to be more but it's going to be a, a pay to play yeah for those. there's going to be more if you want to pony up more cash yeah I, th- I think i think the uh the dlc has gotten out of hand I mean, obviously, it's the nature of the business, and and it's something that we can do now because we have high speed internet, and it's it's possible. Yeah, but um, see, I think a lot of this—it's it's, going to kill the video game industry at some point. I think. I think a lot of this though has to do with the fact that it's EA. Like, uh, if you look at, uh, uh, across the way to um, say Bethesda and Fallout Four, you get I think a lot more game uh, um, for that. Uh, the um, Battlefront game to me sort of feels like one of those you know you're you're paying for three quarters of the game and they want you to pay to buy the other quarter you know essentially um there it's really um basic in my opinion yeah. for a 60 dollar game um there, like i said there's a lot of cool online uh play modes but there's no campaign and there's really very few maps relatively well, and yeah and that's the thing is when you're playing it on a console um it it adds even more expense because for it, you need the ps plus subscription you too. gotta have the playstation plus subscription or if, if you're on the xbox you gotta have the xbox live that's one of the things that fucking pisses me off too that was a for years one of the selling points of the playstation was you didn't have to pay for you know uh xbox live essentially yeah um and now you totally do like there's very few things you can get by without having a ps plus subscription for yeah and, and i'll tell you something too is one of one of the the playstation gimmicks if you will which which worked is if you were a ps3 user and you paid for the playstation plus subscription anyway even though it wasn't required it entitled you to like free games and whatnot yeah and we still get those as ps4 users and whatnot but the games are not nearly as high caliber as they were no for the ps3 the ps like tomb raider tomb raider was one of the free games I was really excited actually when I bought the PS Plus um, membership because I remember that being a thing. I remember like, okay, that was one of the frequently touted like, well, great. Now PlayStation's doing the same shit that uh, Microsoft's done with Xbox Live, except for everybody would always come back and say, no, um, look at what you get, you know, in terms of games with uh, PS Plus. And, And when I got the thing and subscribed and I went to the store to see what games were available... I mean, I don't want to say crap, but it wasn't like I was getting AAA titles or anything like that. No, like last month was Gauntlet. Yeah. You know, or the month before or whatever, which which I downloaded because I can. Um, but I think Bryce and I played it for a couple hours one night and that was it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It is what it is. Um, I, I, overall, I really enjoy the console. Um, to your point, though, about the DLC, it isn't just EA that's doing it anymore. Um, oh, no, the, it's all over the place. EA is just sort of the poster boy for bad, shitty DLC practices. Lego Batman 3, mm-hmm. Lego Marvel Avengers. Like, there's DLC content available for that stuff, too. See, um, 
everybody seems to sort of conflate these ideas. I don't really have a problem with DLC because the way that DLC in my mind should work is the way that we used to consider what we called expansion packs. As in like back in the olden days, in the before times, you would go buy Diablo uh, or Diablo 2 and then uh, an expansion pack, which was a significant amount of new content on top of it, uh, already completely full finished game that you could purchase as on your own. If you just wanted more of that shit, if you just wanted more of that, that was going to be cool and better too. Um, that to me is fine. What I don't like is sort of the way that I feel battlefront is, which is you paid full price for three quarters of a game. And if you want to get the rest of the game, you got to pay for all the DLC shit. Yeah. No, I mean, I get you. And and you're talking to a guy that played World of Warcraft for years. So, I mean, on top of the 15 bucks a month I was paying to, to play that game, I was also shelling out, you know, expansion 50 bucks after expansion yeah. every other year or whatever for the expansions and whatnot. So, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from on that. Um, but the like the Lego ones, I love the Lego games. Like, you're probably not going to find a grown ass adult who <laughs> appreciates the Lego games more than I do. Um, I, it's the collector like i like the collectability you know like mm-hmm. it's not that i want to play through the levels is i want to go through them two or three times to get the bonus characters and and everything um and uh the thing about the the lego games with their dlc packs is it's it's all character packs yeah why can't you just put that in the i mean i i get it but just, I mean, I don't know. Charge me more up front for the game or whatever. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if I don't buy it now, I'm just not going to buy the game at all. And I'll wait for the Game of the Year edition to come out that has all the DLC. See, the thing is, too, that like I don't want to pay for horse armor. Like, right. Like, essentially, you know, when you say that, that it's just character packs, that's what I'm hearing. is like you're paying for horse armor, essentially. Um, which I, I don't like. I mean, sure, that's fine. I guess you can have it available. But um, I, I much more like the idea of where um, when you buy DLC or something like that, you get a significant expansion to the game. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd be... Ha- like, Bat- uh, Arkham Knight, I haven't really looked into the the um, DLC situation but I feel like I've gotten a good experience out of Arkham Knight. I feel like it was worth my money. Um, I feel like there's enough, you know, story and and you know side missions and stuff that's already built into the game. Um, that you know sometimes I just want to keep playing it. Like I would love to see a, a significant expansion for that game, which I'm sure there is. I, I know there's a DLC thing that I haven't just haven't looked at yet there for that. But yeah, one of the things I like about the um, Lego Dimensions game is. There's a difference. Uh, okay, so Skylanders. We had, Skylanders Giants was our first foray into the Skylanders games. Yeah. And um, aboard your your airship, which is kind of your your main base of operations, there's there's a vault. And in order to get through the vault, you have to have um, a giant character with a specific ability to get through the doors. And eventually, you have to collect all of the characters, right, to get into the into the doors and get into the treasure room or whatever. Well, this is a, I mean, these characters are 15 bucks a piece and there's like nine of them that you need to get or however many it is in order to get into the vault because of of the different abilities that those characters have. The first door to get through wasn't even available at launch. Like there was, there was parts of the game that you literally couldn't do until you bought that character. Lego Dimensions on the flip side of that has an option if you need a a certain ability that requires a character that you haven't bought yet 
if you've collected enough Lego studs throughout the game, you can essentially rent that character long enough to get past that obstacle or whatever. So you're not actually required to shell out actual cash if you don't want to. That's cool. So I think that's a good way to do it. I mean, that's just me going on a rant, but it, it is sort what of it depends. Is. Like, um, you know, you you kind of have to, I think they really need to balance it from becoming a pay to win thing. Yeah. Like, um, I'm okay with them making it a little bit harder to do in game without paying any money, but I don't want it to be so hard that you feel like you basically just have to pay or you can't stay competitive with the other players. If you don't pay for the thing, it, it's, it's just like those little fucking stupid phone games. Like how many millions of dollars do you think people have forked over for candy crush or farmville? You know oh, what I mean? It's ridiculous. Like I'm it, not one of them. I'm proud disgusting. to say that I've never yeah. paid money for that shit. It's disgusting to think about how much money gets forked over for that. Yeah. Um, like, like I'm not gonna pay a dollar so I can be better at Tetris. I'm sorry, just not. No. Um, <laughs> or Bejeweled or whatever the fuck that game is. Yeah, or you know whatever it is that is the hotness right now that is essentially a reskinned Bejeweled clone. I play um, what is it Marvel Puzzle Quest, which is very similar to Bejeweled, <laughs> but I have never ever paid money for it. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like it's a fun game to play, and there's different things that I do every day, but not gonna pay money for it okay um okay so we got anything else on video games battle uh, battlefront or dlc we want to talk about i don't think so i think we should grab another beer and we should probably finish up the the last leg yeah let's do that let's okay so we also let's stop talking about star wars and talk about star wars yeah yeah um so we found out last week the force is actually not with us nope the force is like fuck you guys um episode eight uh is gonna be delayed by six months yeah seven months which actually, if I just didn't know that it was supposed to come out five months sooner, I'd have been fine with this because I'm okay with having Star Wars come out around every Christmas. Yeah, me too. Um, honestly, here's the thing is, um, I guess there was some rewrites that they wanted done because the original episode eight script um, or screenplay that they had laid out didn't actually have as much focus on Ray and Finn as one would think What with episode seven. Um, yeah. So the director, who the fuck's directing this one? I can't remember. Um, Ryan Johnson. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look it up. Um, I think that it's the guy that did um that time travel movie that I fucking forgot with Bruce Willis and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Looper. Yeah, Looper guy. Yeah, I think so. He he's a talented director. He also did um, what's that fucking movie called? Uh, I want to say it's Brick, but I don't think that's right. I actually liked Looper, so... Yeah, I liked Looper okay, too. Yeah, it is Ryan Johnson. Okay, you're right. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, he he wanted some rewrites done so that we had more screen time with, with both Ray and Finn. I mean, do we get more screen time with, like, Finn and Poe? Because that's that's really the the bromance that needs the, to happen. You, you want a buddy? A bu- we need a buddy cop movie of <laughs> with those two. If we're getting Star Wars every year and we're going to spin all this shit off, we need, we need a Finn and Poe movie. I could see that. Um, Teach Finn how to fly an X-wing, and then and then you can do an X-wing movie. Yeah, yeah. God damn, an X-wing movie. We need an X-wing movie. We should. We should get like a, a Rogue Squadron movie. Now, like that's not Rogue One. You know what I mean? Like like no like kidding. they did with the novelizations and stuff like that. Yeah, I want to see it. 
Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you watch it. Do you watch Star Wars Rebels? It's a cartoon show on Disney XD. No, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm actually I've I've only ever seen a couple episodes of the Clone Wars. Even like I'm so far behind on my. So I'm I'm caught up on Star Wars Rebels, and I've just started going back and watching some of the Clone Wars. But here's the interesting part: uh, Star Wars Rebels is considered canon these days um, because you know we we threw out all the expanded universe canon and all that stuff. Sure. Um, Star Wars Rebels is considered canon and they're slowly reintroducing a lot of the things from the expanded universe so there's a lot of things that become possible I think if nothing else through this show that's cool um, so yeah it's it's decent from that and and frankly I mean it's a kid show uh, but it's a little it's kind of one of those you know just a little bit grown up kid shows like um, Avatar did you watch Avatar the 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 airbender airbender okay um, so it's kind of <laughs> like that like I I guess I'm just a grown up that watches cartoons. Um, but, uh, and I say grown up, uh, whatever. Um, it's kind of like that in that, uh, it's a show that you can probably watch with your kids and not just be just fucking annoyed. Like there's a lot of shit my kids watch that I just, I couldn't, I can't even stand. Um, but like, you know, avatar, I originally probably watched because, uh, you know, some kid was watching it or something like that. And I also happened to catch an episode and it was actually pretty good. Uh, same thing with star Wars rebels. This one, I got to be honest, my kids don't even care about it at all. And I just watched it because I wanted more star Wars shit, but, um, yeah, no, it's I got pretty you. Good. I gotcha. Um, yeah, here's the thing about the, about the delay. I'm not super pissed about it. No. I mean, I was looking forward to having one to watch in 18 months, like, because that would have been the shortest time between Star Wars movies ever. And I think, yeah, at, at, actually, at two years, I think it still might be. Yeah. Um, Let's see. We got the original in 79. No. 70. 77. 77. They were three years apart. All those were three years apart. Yeah. Um, 80 and 83. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. No. What What about Phantom Menace? Because Phantom Menace Phantom was 99. 99. And... and Re- revenge was attack. 2003 attack of the clones was 2002 so three years there yeah and and then revenge of the sith was 2005 oh really yeah for i'm thinking 2003 maybe i'm thinking of when the clone wars came out that's weird so they'll they'll still be the the shortest time period between movies that are like you know actual continuation of the of the saga see I do like that trend in Hollywood. Like, I don't know if you noticed this too, but it used to be like you waited for fucking ever to be able to buy the VHS. Or the, and even once it switched to DVD, you'd wait like a year to be able to get the goddamn DVD for most of this shit. Um, now April it's 5th. Like, yeah, like it's out. It's <laughs> out very quickly after the theatrical run. Like it's yeah. out of theaters for a couple of months and then you can buy the DVD or whatever. Yeah, so. Star Wars. Star Wars is actually um, scheduled to be available um, in stores on April 5th, I think. Yeah, and I think um, maybe due, at least in part, to the success of Lord of the Rings, um, which was a trilogy that came out, uh, I don't think it was every year, probably every other year, every two years. Does that sound right? Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot more of that expanded sort of um, movies coming out more frequently in, in pairs like that. Um, at least it seems like it. Um, but I think Lord of the Rings came out at, at least every two years. I know it wasn't longer than that. Um, and then you have, you know, successes like the Harry Potter franchise, which came out, um, not quite every year as well. Um, and then of course with the finish, the, the, the finale, um, the Deathly Hallows part one and two, that was a year after year phenomenon. So I, I, I like that aspect that it, they're sort of doing a lot more of that work up front so that they can produce the content more, uh, rapidly. 
I mean, we're still talking in terms of years here, but I they were only a year apart. The Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Well, see, that's the thing with the Lord of the Rings. Though. I mean, they essentially shot the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, they they shot the whole thing at one time for for the most part. So it's kind of like the Matrix. The Matrix. Um, they shot by itself, and then when they did the Matrix Revolutions and and what was the was Revolutions the last one? Yeah, Reloaded, Reloaded, and Revolutions. Yeah, they they shot those uh, continuously. So they just aired. They they I mean they released them like a year apart or six yeah. months apart or whatever. Cool titles, did. not great movies. No, they were fucking shit. We never talked about the Matrix. I don't think. Yeah, maybe we we could do a Matrix roundtable if you could make your brain watch the second two. I really enjoyed the first one. The first one was so fucking good. Oh, that's everybody right there. Everybody in a nutshell really enjoyed the first one. You know, actually, I got to say, the only reason I'm happy that Reloaded and Revolutions came out is because the Animatrix is really fucking good, too. Yeah, and honestly, here's the thing, man. Like, I had no idea what the Matrix was about. And this was, I mean, I, I didn't see it in the theater. Um, I didn't see it until after it actually was out on video and whatnot. And, and I had a really, really good friend that showed it to me and that he was just like, no, you have to watch this movie, but I'm not going to tell you what it's about. So I watched it with virgin eyes, so to speak, and nothing was tainted for me. And so when you watch that movie and you realize what's happening, like, it's so fucking mind blowing. Like it's a good movie. Oh, I, I loved that aspect of it because I went in with relatively no understanding. No, the, actually, I do remember this. I went in with absolutely no clue what I was getting myself into. And so... Um, and low I, expectations because when you see Keanu Reeves as like the top build yeah. guy, like you're not expecting like an, an Oscar-worthy performance. Yeah. So. And, and I mean, it's not like The Matrix really was an Oscar-worthy performance, but at the time, Keanu Reeves was... He was certainly a well-known name, but I think Keanu's only grown since the matrix. But anyway, um, going into that movie, it was kind of one of those, uh, I had really no expectations. And as you're going through the movie, especially the first, you know, say third of the movie, there's a lot of, Oh, this movie is about, you know, like, and then no, not at all. And, and to Eddie's point too, if anybody listening to this, if, if you don't believe that Keanu has grown, go back and watch Bill and Ted, uh, or Point Break, or Speed, any of those, all of them, I don't fucking care, and then watch John Wick without watching anything else in between, including The Matrix, and you'll see that, that there's a huge, huge contrast. See, Keanu's done some pretty shit movies since The Matrix 2. Like, uh, what's that movie that he did that, where he was supposed to be half Asian? <laughs> Ronan. Yeah, Ronan. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was it was Ronan. It was Ronan, but um, not Ronan, but like uh, forty-seven. It was Ronan forty-seven or something like that. It was forty-seven Ronan. It 47 was a remake Ronan, of. Yeah, so it was a remake of. A, I think of an Akira Kurosawa movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> that, that movie pretty frankly sucked. But John Wick was a movie that I think was uh, really underbuilt. I love that movie. John Wick was good. That that fucking samurai movie bombed in japan like they released it in japan before they released it in the states and it did fucking shit yeah like that, i think like it made 1.3 million in japan that that actually doesn't surprise me too much watching that movie i was like oh the like dude you're too everything about this movie is too white like yeah yeah which is funny because the last samurai with uh tom, tom cruise, cruise i thought it was a good fucking movie i liked it i enjoyed that movie a lot it had some pretty large flaws i thought but yeah i liked it too yeah, like yeah. I mean, it wasn't shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was really white. 
Yeah, so. but I mean that was a plot device. I think or that that was part of the plot in the movie, which is fine. But um, anyway, it's not as bad. I I just saw somebody link to uh, uh, what is the worst actor casting decisions essentially, and it was one of them listed was John Wayne playing Genghis Khan. <laughs> and when I read that, I immediately thought of Keanu in in Forty Seven Ronin. Yeah, uh, not obviously it's not nearly that bad, but it wasn't good either. Um. So anyway, no, well, this is a fucking tangent. No new episode eight until December 15th, 2017. Bottom line on this one for me, if the delay is for the reasons that they're saying that it's for, then I'm totally cool with it. Because if it means we get a better movie. Yeah. It's uh, 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 the Nintendo guy. What's the, the, fuck, I can't remember his name, you know. The former CEO? The, the one that died or? Yeah. Uh. I want to say more moto, but I think I'm thinking fire chef. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, we get it. But he said something along the lines of, uh, um, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, bad game is bad forever. You know, sort of once you've released it, you know, he, he was kind of arguing you, that you can't take it back. Yeah. Take the time to make a good game because a bad game is bad forever. Essentially. I'm butchering the shit out of this quote, but go look it up. But the same thing applies here. Like I'd rather than take another four or five months and make a just excellent, the best movie they can make. The way I look at it is I waited 32 years for a good star Wars movie. Yeah. After Jedi, I can wait another six months. Yeah. No it's kidding. Fine. It's like a drop in the bucket comparatively, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know, and you don't want to have the opposite sort of thing happen where you end up. Uh, y- y- I mean, obviously, there's you can take this idea too far. Uh, George Martin looking at you. Um, <laughs> it, it's OK if you actually write a book. I'm just saying um, my, my current favorite book series to authors, I think, are probably the worst for this. But um, my current favorite book ser- series is The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. Um, and and book three is taking so so very long. I mean, he he is a very very amazing writer, and there's clearly a lot of craft that goes into the books that he that he writes. Uh, but goddamn, I just want it now. Yeah. I mean, I want a good book, but on the same token, I I want to be able to still read it without my you know books are glasses. hard, man. Because you read a good book and then like obviously it's part of a series, and and you want the next one to come out, but at the same time, like you don't want it to be complete shit and. You have no idea what the creative process is like for somebody else. I mean, I know what it would be like for me if I wrote a book, which would take me a really fucking long time because I'm super particular about everything. Yeah. Um, See, with with Rothfuss and Martin both, I can kind of understand because for Martin's sake, the plot is just so gi-fucking-gantic. Like, there are so many things. Like, I think one of the biggest issues with having him release a new book at this point was that he's written – he wrote the book, essentially – and there was a gigantic fucking plot hole in it, uh, um, like a, a show stopping plot hole. And they had to go back and redo it because, you know, again, the plot is so huge in those books with Rothfuss. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the problem is the craft and the writing. Like um, you, you uh, I've said many times, like Rothfuss books are good on the first read, but they're really great on the third read because you go through and you catch all of the things that he did as far as, you know, craft and writing that come out like, uh, um, little things like, um, 
when uh, the our hero is trying to impress the girl, he's speaking in verse, but it's not spelled out. They're not like talking about poetry or something like that. He's just speaking in verse, like in you know iambic pentameter or something like that. That's wrong. I'm not a poetry nerd. I don't really know. Um, but another thing, you know, there's this line in the book that says there's seven words to make a woman love you. And when you go back and reread, you notice that quite a lot of the dialogue between the the uh, char- our hero and our heroine are um, seven line sentence or seven word sentences rather. So there's so much stuff like that in those books. So I can understand why it takes um, so long to make or so long to write them. But on the other hand, just give me my fucking book. I need the conclusion so bad. <laughs> All right. So I get it. Well, before we leave books real quick. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's merge books and star Wars. Sure. I think I've talked about this before. It's good stuff. Um, so they're not canon anymore. But the original um, extended universe books um, written by Timothy Zahn, the, the Thrawn trilogy, I just recently uh, listened to those books. I've read them before. Yeah. Um, I read them in the 90s when they came out, um, and I they were amazing for a Star Wars fan then. Um, I just listened to them again, and uh, they've recently redone the audiobooks for those three. Um, they didn't used to be um, unabridged. Oh, so and and they are now, um, and they were narrated by Mark Thompson, who did a fantastic fucking job. Like he does the voices, like he does voices for all the all the the parts and stuff. His Luke is believable as Luke. His Han Solo is pretty good. Lando, <laughs> <laughs> how you doing, Chewbacca? Hey, you doing, Chewbacca? <laughs> yeah, he's got a better Lando than I do. <laughs> Um, although I'm I'm gonna say it's almost as black exploitation as my Lando is. <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking Lando is. is <laughs> I mean, honestly, you're not like doing a dishonor to that character. <laughs> but um, no, I just I again, like I said, I, I just recently listened to those um, in the last few weeks, and they. It gave me the same feeling I had when I was like 16, 17 reading those books. See, that's pretty awesome because I've gone back and reread some of the shit that I read when I was 16 and 17. And quite a lot of the times it's like, yeah, you're like, I read this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some, (laughs) uh, there's been, there's been a very few occasions where I was like, what the fuck was I doing? Um, but usually it's sort of like a, you know, I had a more positive outlook on this because of nostalgia. And now that I've reread it, it's not as great as I thought it was. It's still good, but not as great as I thought it was. So if you, if you got that, like that, that's a good indicator that these books are worth a reread, I think, or worth a first read if you're like me and I haven't read them. So yeah, those are probably going to have to go in my, uh, you know, pile of shit that I'm going to have to read over the next year or so. And the audiobooks, um, the audiobooks because of the voices and their sound effects and there's music, uh, to them and stuff like that. It's it's. They, oh, so this is like a super well produced version of the yeah, audiobooks. They, then. they do a really good job. Um, and and again, like I said, I can't give Mark Thompson enough credit for for what he does with the voices and stuff. It it's good. And this one I think is the shortest book, and it's thirteen hours and thirteen minutes. Oh, in terms of audiobooks, that's really not that bad. No, it's not. And. I mean, I blew through them um, because of the fact that, I mean, I've got an IT job and a lot of my, my work is done at a desk. So yeah, I you- have that luxury. But um, if, if you haven't checked them out, check them out. Uh, we will actually throw up the Audible link Yeah, for these um, in case you in case you're you're interested in listening to them on your smartphone device. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've got anything else on Star Wars? 
No, and that was just that was impromptu. So <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so let's talk. We got Suicide some, Squad. Yeah, before we move into the Suicide Squad, I want to get one quick thing out of the way because I don't think you're going to have a lot to care about. This. Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor Who. Yeah, <laughs> of course it's Doctor Who. So I'm a big Doctor Who fan, obviously, and our current showrunner and showrunner for most of uh, the last you know four or five years. Um, has been Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat's been responsible for uh, Doctor Who, starting with the eleven doc, the eleventh Doctor, uh, Matt Smith, uh, through uh, until now. Uh, essentially, he was a writer before on Doctor Who. Uh, so he did some, during uh, some of Davies' run. He wrote a lot of the popular episodes during there, like uh, Girl in the Fireplace um, was a big one. But he's been the showrunner for the last few years um, with some, you know, awesome things and some terrible things. So anyway, Stephen Moffat stepped down as the showrunner and they've got a new guy who's uh, 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 creator Chris Chibnall. Uh, his, he did Broadchurch, which I haven't watched. Um, but that's sort of an end of the era. Like we could see some pretty radically different things, I think, from the next version of uh, Doctor Who. So the the little the little birdie in me that's going to chime in right now is just going to say that um i'm actually uh really impressed by um what's his name the current doctor uh never fucking remember this guy's uh, name 12 uh yeah no and even i'm having a hard time remembering it right now which is really ridiculous because it's one of those things that's like right on the top of my brain and he's an established actor why the fuck don't i know this yeah I can picture him. I okay, can we're going to cut out the dead air, and I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Peter Capaldi, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Peter Capaldi, um, actually, quite honestly, in this last... Uh, this this is one of the things that makes me feel you know bad about Moffat leaving. The last couple of episodes for me, uh, including the Christmas special, have been really, really good. Um, Capaldi, I think, really, really became like the Doctor in the last couple of episodes. Like... For me, Matt Smith right away. Like I took to Matt, Matt Smith in about four seconds. Um, Tenant took me a little bit longer. Capaldi probably the longest yet, but now I really feel like he's an excellent doctor. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you what I, I'm not. I'm not an expert on Doctor Who at all because I'm not. I, I don't think that I would call myself that either, having not really been a fan or watcher of classic Who. Um, which in Doctor Who circles could get you uh, crucified, possibly yeah. stabbed. Yeah, yeah. So, Sonic stabbed, but yeah, stabbed nonetheless. Yeah. Um. So here's the thing. I I saw all of Eccleston's run, but I mean that was like what 13 episodes. It yeah, wasn't, it was wasn't a huge. single single series for you British people. But I really really liked. I liked him. Yeah. I'm disappointed that he hasn't been willing to come back for any of the the specials and whatnot. Yeah, um, that's one of those like uh, Galaxy Quest sort of yeah like just blew the whole thing apart you know um what i'm disappointed most about though is i fucking love rose mm. like her character is so good and i'm past the point where she's left the show as in terms of my watching so i'm, I'm still in yeah. the tenant years um but those two like tenant and and uh billy piper is that her name yeah, yeah. billy piper yeah Dude, like See, he was legit fucking sad, like when she left and stuff like that. And that's why I haven't really like there's no drive for me anymore for that, because like the chemistry between those two was so good. Plus, she's super hot. Like, See, you know, what's really funny about that is actually um, a lot of Doctor Who fans hated that. 
Really? A lot of Doctor Who fans really want a platonic relationship. An interesting relationship, but a platonic one. And this is one of the the few companions that uh, the Doctor's had where there's been a very obvious romantic involvement. But it's brought out so much more of the character of the Doctor. You know what I mean? Like, to me, anyway. Yeah. And I'm not... Like I said, I can't I can't claim to be an expert, but, like, I like a good love story. And I think yeah. any, any legitimate story... Like, I don't think there's anything that we talk about on the show... Is in terms of shows where a romantic interest doesn't play some part in the main character's lives. Yeah, more or less. So, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but once you get, I think, to where uh, Capaldi's at in Doctor Who um, with Jenna Coleman, you get to see a sort of different side or different uh, um, love story. It's a love story. I mean, they, they both clearly love each other, but not necessarily in a romantic way. And I, I really like how that plays out. So I think there's room for that though. One of the things that I think annoys me a little bit is the doctor's a little too asexual. Um, but I guess this also adds to the fact that he's an alien. I mean, granted he's played by a human looks like a human. Do you mean asexual or do you mean British? I mean, cause sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I do say, would you enjoy a good snogging? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, the, the asexual nature of the doctor kind of gets on my nerves a little bit sometimes, but on the other hand, I don't want it to be, uh, um, an overly romantic, you know, will they, won't they sort of bullshit thing that, you know, pretty much every other show is doing. Um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. There, there's a place for both, I think. I, I thought that it was an interesting thing with Rose. And, um, and I didn't really like the character of Rose, but I did like that aspect of it a little bit. Even though, like I said, in lots of Doctor Who circles, that's practically sacrilege. Is Billy Piper not just fucking adorable, though? She is. But <laughs> really, just about all the companions. You know, this is another one that I, I'll probably get crucified for saying. But of the modern Who companions, I, I think my least favorite was probably Donna. And lots and lots of people really love Donna. Uh, Catherine Tate uh, played Donna, of course. Um, She's the older lady? Yeah, a little bit. Well, I mean, especially compared to the other companions. She's after um, after Rose, right? Yeah. Like it's, um, there's Rose, and then briefly we have... Um, Martha. She's a hot black chick, right? Yeah, super, super hot. hot. Freeman, good lord, Aggieman. Aggieman? I, I don't remember ever. And, I, and I don't use race as 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 race. I mean, I just it's a descriptor in this particular case because there hasn't been any no, dark skinned companions. Yeah. So super hot. <laughs> um, yeah, I I actually really liked one of the aspects that I really liked with Doctor Who was the whole ro- um not Rose fuck uh, uh the ginger chick uh. With Rory, um, uh, who's in Guardians of the Galaxy, whose name I also can't remember. Name? Amy Pond. Amy Pond, yeah. As played by uh, the actress whose name I've forgotten, even though I really, really love her and pretty much everything I've seen her in. And she's super big in the Matt Smith yep. mythos, right? She yeah, is, Karen she is right up until, um, for like two series, I think, she, she's the, the, the primary foil for Matt Smith. Anyway, um, I really like that aspect of things, too, where um, it's now... I don't know. Again, it's a different relationship. Obviously, uh, uh, Amy and Rory are together. Um, but anyway, the, it, quite, quite a long aside, I, I just Stephen Moffat's leaving the show and uh, it's a little sad. But on the other hand, uh, that's one of the things that, that I think if you're a Doctor Who fan, you kind of have to grow accustomed to. You have to sort of like change because you, you get change all the time in Doctor Who. So sorry, my, my whole purpose in, in chiming in on this was just to say that um, the Capaldi character... It'll be interesting to me 
to see because I have watched a couple episodes with Capaldi, mm-hmm. um, and to me he seems like I don't see as much Matt Smith in him. Oh, not at all. But I do see a lot of Tennant, and I see a lot of Eccleston. Yeah, again, not a classic Who watcher, but I've heard uh, they're they're drawing deliberate comparisons to the original number one Doctor Hartnell. He maybe um, Eccleston was the War Doctor though, and I can kind of see. I, no, no, no. I see a um, lot about a lot of that in in sort of um, that's actually you haven't gotten that far yet but there is a different war doctor um talking about john hurt yeah 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 so i'm not dumb i mean yeah. <laughs> come on man. i just didn't know if you've gotten that far yeah but anyway yeah william hurt's the war doctor or Will, william hurt but, yeah uh, they, they don't uh, actually they don't really acknowledge that a ton yet uh, it's really only for the 50th um, yeah and then it really doesn't come up except for in a few brief mentions otherwise. But uh, Because he's not even listed as one of the 11th or 9th. Or, like, he's no. not actually... Because he, he um, isn't... Uh, the show kind of explains this in the canon a little bit. He's not really considered a doctor. Um, right. You know, like in the way that we would think of a doctor as a helper of people, he doesn't consider that incarnation the doctor. Um, so they don't really... You know, he doesn't get a classic numbering, essentially. And also... I mean, let's be honest, part of that is because they, they um, just kind of retcon that in there. Um, but he's the incarnation immediately before Eccleston, though, correct? Right, yes. Right. So um, so there's a lot of that bleed over in that. Yeah, definitely. Eccleston is the first post-Time War doctor. Um, so that being said, that's that's my, my, my main focus on this particular topic, is I want to see the difference between Capaldi... Uh, now versus Capaldi with a new showrunner. Yeah, um, I don't know. I hope that can. I hope that gets better because the, Capaldi obviously is a very talented actor. Um, we've seen some pretty amazing things from Capaldi as the Doctor so far, and I I just can't wait to see you know what somebody else can do with the character because that's another thing about Doctor Who is there's lots of different directions you can go with it. The one memorable episode that I've seen with Capaldi, um, and granted, it's like again my experience is limited, but I didn't want to watch a ton with him in it because I'm not there yet mm-hmm. in my watching of the series is um the episode where he totally mind fucked the Dalek. Oh yeah, yeah. that's a good one. It, it, it was god damn that was that was a really good episode and a really good performance by by Capaldi so um it's kind of my basis for comparison against all other Capaldi episodes now at this point and I'll probably yeah. be disappointed with some with some episodes not all but yeah no actually I think I really think it only gets better for the most part does it yeah yeah cuz that was a really good episode I liked it a lot um all right so let's talk so yeah doctor who we're we're good there oh you know what while we're on doctor who if you are located in the state of oregon or even washington there is a fish and chips place in portland slash bar called the tardis room well now i have to go i've been really i have you son of a bitch <laughs> um i've been uh they do doctor who trivia i think on tuesday nights i feel like i'd lose really hard at that i did yeah. we actually got lots of bonus points though because we made up answers <laughs> and, awesome and and the guy that does the trivia there is is very generous in terms of um if you're creative he'll reward you <laughs> <laughs> um but it was it was it was a lot of fun uh they they do trivia up there I will tell you, the bathrooms have doors that are painted like the TARDIS. Nice. They are not bigger on, on the inside. No. <laughs> you just walk in and it's like a broom closet with a toilet in the corner. One of the bathrooms is literally so small that my 
leg had to touch the toilet. Uh, that's bad. Before I I could get out of it, so yeah. I'm just just warning you. But no, um, fun environment though. And it, during the summers and stuff out back, they they throw up a projector and they they they'll show like episodes of, of Doctor Who and stuff oh, awesome. out back and stuff. So if you are in the uh, Portland metro area or a, a short drive away from it, I recommend checking it out. Just just Google it, the TARDIS room, and get directions. It's it's fun and it's worth it's worth the 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 evening out. Plus they have some good beer on tap. Great divide. They got a lot of great divide stuff on tap. Nice. Or yeah. in bottles. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Worth checking out. Yeah, totally. Um, so <laughs> we we have some more DC news. We've actually kind of skipped around quite a bit. We talked about all kinds of shit today. But we got some more DC news. Um, so what do we want to talk about first? Uh, let's talk about the Suicide Squad trailer. Yeah. So um, last show we talked about how the come in the next coming tuesday there'd be lots of cool shows starting up and then you know eddie didn't post the show until later oops <laughs> oops oh well um no part of part of that tuesday night though um was dude that 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 night was full of tv so for sure um the flash was on on the cw at eight and then um abc actually ran a one hour long um 75 years of captain america special which was really good I still need to go find that. I watched it. It was it was super good. Um, and then that was followed by the two hour premiere of Agent Carter, also super good. Yeah, I really like that. I, I like that too. Yeah, um, we, which we don't even have in the show notes, but no, it's good. Watch yeah, it. Watch Just, it. I mean, that's that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but following the Flash was actually two episodes of or two half hour specials. One was a, um, a Legends of Tomorrow kind of a preview show, which I. Did I watch it? I don't remember if I watched it. I def- definitely did not. Um, the second one, though, was a um, Dawn of Justice, Justice League, um, DC Cinematic Universe oh, see. special. And it was hosted by Kevin Smith and DC creative guru Jeff Johns. I really wish I would have watched that. It was really good. Um, I actually, Kevin Smith played his part so well. I, I, I was talking to a dude at work, um, and I'm not going to name names. Um, but he, he came up to me and he was like, Kevin Smith didn't seem like he was very knowledgeable about comic books. So I didn't really like it that much. And, um, here's the thing. Kevin Smith has forgotten more about Batman than I'll ever know. For sure. And so like probably this morning he forgot more about Batman than I'll ever know. Very obviously was, was a role he was playing, um, to put himself in the shoes of the audience that may be watching that show and whatnot. So it was, he, he played a part. I don't necessarily like that because I think um, having two people on screen that are super knowledgeable about the product is better than one person pretending to not know so he can ask questions. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, but he definitely wanted to give Jeff Johns the um, the spotlight in terms of being the, the, the knowledgeable person, the guru and stuff. And I do respect that because Jeff Johns is... Um, I mean, there, you can't name anybody on the DC creative team right now that's more talented than Jeff Johns, uh, writing wise, Art- artistically, he's not an artist. So, I mean, you definitely have some, some competition in that, in, in that market. But one of the things that they did though, was they premiered the new trailer. I love the new trailer. Did you like it because it was good or did you like it because it had a queen Bohemian Rhapsody? Yes. <laughs> Unequivocally. Yes. Is the answer. Um, here's what I liked about it. Not the Joker. No, <laughs> I still, I, f- I, 
I want to say I'm warming up to the idea, but that's not even fair to say. Like, the only thing that I, I, I guess what I should be saying is I'm less completely fucking ice cold about it than I was before, um, yeah. which is not to say that I'm anywhere approaching above zero at this point. Um, so I, the Joker to me still just looks terrible. Same. Uh, the portrayal, maybe. I'm I'm a little I'm okay not no I, not I think quite Leto's okay gonna with do a good job he's gonna acting. do a, he's gonna do you know a fine job acting but I I still am not sure that I'll ever like this Joker and maybe I really want to be wrong I really want to be wrong I'm but, still hoping that this is not the legit Joker I'm I'm still hoping that this is a um somebody else has taken up the mantle kind of a thing yeah like if you go back and I I hope that's the case too but I don't think they're gonna do that. How can they not though? This can't be. This Joker is not old enough to be the same Joker that young Affleck would have faced as Batman. You know what I mean? And it's the same universe. You know what's weird though? Go look up how old Leto is. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> he he's just like one of those like eternally young motherfuckers. Like anyway, the thing the thing is that um, watching the first Suicide Squad trailer that we've seen previously. Compared to this trailer, this trailer is so, so much better and gives me so much more hope for the movie. Harley. Harley. Oh, God. She melts my heart, man. Yeah, she does. Like, <laughs> she can crazy me right up. But anyway, um, that's not true at all for me for the Joker. Like, the, the only thing that this does is maybe take the, the, the degree up, you know, from negative 100 to negative 99. Here's here's what I like about it, man. The it, and again, I'm going back to Harley because she is, and I'm more convinced now than ever, the saving grace of this movie is there's there's one particular scene in this trailer where there's a bunch of dudes and she's like, the voices just told me to kill all you guys. And then she's like, just kidding. <laughs> That's not what they said. That's not what they said. Yeah. <laughs> That's Harley Quinn. So Absolutely. Um. um I th- I think I mean we've only seen a trailer for- so far, but I think Margot's really nailing Harley Quinn. Um, you know what I want Margot to nail? Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Just I'm not to be sexist. She's a good-looking lady. Like, yeah, and I don't know why I find this amount of crazy attractive, but it is. Um, um, it's not in most people, but in Harley Quinn, I'll take it. Yeah, no, there is something attractive about Harley Quinn, even would, though she's completely bonkers. I mean, here's the deal. If Harley and I were to have a a romantic evening, and then she bludgeoned me to death with a mallet the next day, I wouldn't die. I wouldn't die sad. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah, well, it's like you know, watching a beautiful thing. Too there close. are worse ways to go. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's that crazy hot graph. You know, that that's just straight up into the right. The crazier you get, the hotter you get, essentially. Um, or vice versa, the hotter you are, the crazier you are. Um, so Is that why you're with Ash? Yeah. <laughs> well, I may, maybe I have a type. I don't know. She doesn't listen to the show. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I can't make it back for the next show, um, just, I'm saying investigate, <laughs> no matter how obviously suicide it looks. Uh, so the new Suicide Squad trailer is much much better like uh, this really gives me a lot more hope for the movie is it, it like you're saying uh margot robbie and harley quinn still look to be the saving grace and i don't quite feel that way anymore at at first i was really gonna go watch this movie just because i wanted to see margot robbie and harley quinn because that was the only thing that was even kind of interesting to me in the original trailer we saw um this one 
I'm still not quite there as far as like, I think this is a a slam dunk, you know, good movie, but uh, it's no longer just uh, Harley Quinn that I want to see. It looks like it can hold its own um, for other reasons. Um, all right. I'm going to bring you back to reality. (laughs) God damn it. I hate when you do that. Okay. So the Leto Joker, we've, we both talked about, we both agree. This is not the Joker that we want to see. Just no. Yeah. Um, Will Smith. I don't hate him as much as I thought I would. No, I'm actually okay with Will Smith now. I don't like the tagline. No. So we're the patsies, some kind of suicide squad. Don't need it. I, I really hope that doesn't actually show up in the film. Yeah, that doesn't need to be there. And, I mean, if you got to tell the audience what the name of the movie you're watching is. See, the thing is, is I can I, I was okay with that. Like now, in retrospect, having watched this trailer versus the other trailer, I could see that being like whoever was in charge of the first trailer just sucked, uh, essentially. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I still don't like the I don't like the Waller dialogue either. Like I threw him in a hole and threw away the hole. That's stupid. Yeah. That fucking doesn't make any sense. Just fucking stop. Yeah. The Waller dialogue in the first trailer was really shitty, and I don't think that that appeared quite as much. Well, they they added to it. Like, they showed us a little bit more of that scene, so it's a little bit more acceptable, but that particular line of dialogue is still fucking shit. Yeah, I don't like it either. So, um, and my, my last criticism of this movie is Killer Croc. You know me. I am all for using practical effects as much as you possibly can. But for a character like Killer Croc, look at the first Amazing Spider-Man and the the char- the lizard character and look what they did with that. By all means, use the fucking CGI. Just do it right. Oh, see, I don't know. We we may um we might disagree a little bit on this one because I didn't think Killer Croc was a very good adaptation in the first Amazing Spider-Man. You mean the lizard? Yeah. I like the lizard. I, I, right, I mean, right, right, right. I, and, and I, I dug what they did in Amazing Spider-Man. But then again, I like that movie probably a lot more than a lot of people do. So. I guess what I'm saying is I, I didn't like the... Uh, the character was fine. I, I didn't like the CG aspects as much. See, I did. I, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, there's some things you can't do with practical effects. And Killer Croc, I think, is one of them. Well, but see, the thing I think is, is that I don't think we're getting with this... Well, I don't really know. I mean, we do have the... Uh, what's the witch character whose name I can't remember because... She's not really a major character there's outside of the Suicide Yeah, there's like a... I can't remember what her fucking name is, but there's somebody there that's a witch, you know? Um, I know we have Katana. Yeah. Um, and Katana's fine. And, and for the most part, most of the characters have some sort of practical basis in reality. Like, there's no reason Harley Quinn couldn't exist in reality. There's no reason... You know, you, you're stretching the imagination, but Deadshot being really good and most of most of Deadshot thing is something that's fairly believable even Killer Croc to some extent could be a little bit believable uh, um, depending on how you portray him if you're portraying him as the, like sort of the amazing Spider-Man over the top CG thing then that obviously goes out the window a little bit and also I think that this is a little bit different now considering what we've seen um, well, from what's coming up with Man of Steel and uh, Batman versus Superman. Obviously, they're getting a little bit more into the comic books than uh, previous yeah. incarnations. The Killer Croc part here. Here's here's what bugs me about it. It rings really, really closely to the portrayal of uh, Ben Grimm by Michael Chiklis in the Fantastic Four um, original. Well, I can't even say original because it's not like the first time. Like the yeah, but the uh, the second most recent incarnation of the Fantastic Four on screen. Um, Ben Grimm slash the thing 
is right up there in terms of raw power and strength with the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And the way that he was portrayed by Michael Chiklis, and this is like through no fault of his own. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not talking shit about the commish, but yeah, back off. <laughs> but the but the practical effects was he was in a rubber suit that looked like rocks. Yeah, and it didn't look like rocks. It looked like a rubber suit made to look like rocks. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what I'm worried about with the Killer Croc character here. And I mean, maybe maybe the lizard was not necessarily the example you're looking for, but look at what they've done with the Hulk in the last couple Avengers movies. Yeah, that's CGI, but it's not shit cgi yeah i guess the thing is is that i i get a little bit too um this is probably a bit of movie prejudice but when you say cgi a lot of the times especially for stuff like this uh, i'm just reticent because it's i think it's bad more often than it's good and you're not wrong but there's there's times that it's good i mean can you really complain about the job that they did with the most recent avengers movie with age of ultron with the hulk uh, no, not really. Just because I, I really don't think there's any other way to do the Hulk. Right. Like, at least not... I mean, first off, don't get me wrong. When I watch the new Avengers movie, it's very clear to me that when the Hulk is on screen, I'm seeing CGI. Like, not because I know intellectually that it's CGI, because I know that there's no way that that thing can exist, but because it looks like CGI to me. So, like, don't don't get me wrong. Like, the, the thing about that is, though, is that that's really the only way you can do that character. Like, if you're going to do that character justice, it needs to be that way. I mean, don't... I'm, I'm sorry, Bruce Frigno. Uh, um, Lou. Lou. What the fuck, man? Bruce Banner, Lou Frigno. Anyway, I'm sorry, Lou Frigno, but no, um, that that portrayal of the Hulk is not what I want to see it's on the over. big screen. Yeah, This is not the 70s anymore. Yeah, so it, it, you can't really do the Hulk in practical effects. And so for some of that stuff, I'm okay with them using CGI, even though it's relatively obvious CGI. I mean, the CGI is very good in the Avengers. Obviously, they had the budget for it. But it's still CGI to me. Um, but again, that's the only way you can tell that story with our current storytelling, you know, devices. Um, with with the the uh, the Killer Croc character, I don't know yet. I mean, we'll see from the movie. Yeah. See, that's kind of how I feel about the Killer Croc. I don't think there's a way you can do it practically and do it right. Yeah. And I don't want this to be Lou Ferrigno with rocks stuck to him. Glued to him. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So. I guess maybe the differences too here for me at least is that I'm not as big on the Killer Croc um, as a character. See, that's I like Killer Croc as a character, and you watched the animated series, right? Of course, dude. One of my favorite episodes. You ever see the one where they're all sitting around the table and they're talking about stories, how they almost took out the Batman? Yeah. And then Killer Croc's like, fantastic fucking episode. Killer Croc's like, I threw a rock at him. And everybody else is like, wait, what? <laughs> well, I almost got him. <laughs> it was a big rock. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, man. <laughs> Such a great series. Okay, actually, that's a good segue into the next thing. Um, that's what I was hoping you'd pick up on. <laughs> amazing. Um, so we've got some good news. There's going to be a new Justice League series, and Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill will both be reprising their roles as the uh, Batman and Joker, respectively, um, which we've already... Uh, I can't believe how much we've talked about this over the course of the show, but we obviously love Kevin Conroy as Batman and Mark Hamill as the Joker. The only thing I will say about this is that... if you Have you checked the link yet? Not yet. 
Okay, check out the link because as cool as that sound, I fucking hate the art. Like, um, it's an animated DC show, um, and the art to me looks just not good. Does it not? It's not Timverse art. It's Is definitely this it right it's here? definitely not Timverse art. Yeah, no, it's uh, there you go. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, it looks like it looks like firmly in the category of like Justice League for children sort of thing. Dude, everything looks like that now, man. Like Teen Titans Go. Have you seen that at all? No, not looks really. Looks a lot like that, and it's all fucking like it's wacky, like SpongeBob and shit. See, and I don't like that. Um, you, you know, don't get me wrong. I understand they're really making and marketing this primarily to kids, but fuck? when you're getting when you're getting Conroy and Hamill, you it, gotta understand it's thirty year old bastards like us that are gonna be tuning into that show. Come up with something middle ground, you know? Yeah, here's the thing, man. Batman the animated series when that came out, to me as a teenager, even because. Oh, don't get, yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing. I didn't get into comic books until I was a teenager. Like, I, I, it's not like, I mean, I might have had a few of them when I was a kid and whatnot, but I didn't really pay attention to comic book lore at that point in time. But when I was a teenager, and I was kind of the awkward kid that wasn't exactly ugly, but was a super nerd, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, comic books you. comic books were how I spent my time when I wasn't getting laid, which was all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's one of those things that uh, when that when that cartoon came out, I watched it. I watched the first episode when it when it first came out, and then I heard the music, and it was the same music that they used in the in the Tim Burton Batman. It was like mm-hmm. boom, and I was like, "Holy On shit!" Board. Yeah, right. No. Like from the get go, and the way they did the art, like you didn't know if it was supposed to be modern day or if it was, uh, you know, set in the in the fifties really, or whatever. I really you know? love the Art Deco sort of stylings but with uh, um you know modern gadgetry and stuff like that like yeah. exactly like you're saying it could have been set in any era some sort of alternate universe sort of like fallout 4 type of fall or fallout universe you know where there's sort of some sort of alternate timeline or something like that yeah and then and then just seeing bruce wayne be bruce wayne and seeing batman be batman and kevin conroy didn't use two voices it was the same voice yeah you know be, for the for the two of them and stuff so I, that looks fucking retarded. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah, 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 yeah. The um, yeah, Conroy and Hamill got uh, just love their them as as Batman and the Joker and all the animated stuff that they've done. But yeah, I really hope that the art. I really hope I can get over the art. Let's say, like, yeah. I really hope that this isn't this doesn't turn out to be the show that it looks like they're marketing it to be because from the art that I'm seeing here, this looks like it's not going to be nearly something that can hold a candle to the animated series. I, I'm I'm gonna tell you right now, if they fuck up the Joker art wise, like if he doesn't look like what I'm used to the Joker looking looking like in the in the animated series and whatnot. I don't care who does the voice. I'm not going to watch it. Well, you see, even with this art, though, you can see the inspiration from the Tim verse a little bit. You can. So I think this I, better not what the, be what the Killing Joke looks like. Oh God! If if this is what the Killing Joke look, looks like, somebody fucked up. But I, I'm really pretty confident that that that's not going to be what happens. I mean, I I'm definitely sure did, they're going to go with a more mature. Did we talk about that? That's going to be like an R-rated. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be like a you like they're actually going to try their best to do justice to the Killing like Joke. They're making it for us. Yeah, essentially. Um, I I don't think we'll see the Timverse art, but have you watched any of the recent um, Warner Brothers Batman directed, you know, whatever movies? Um, I just grabbed the newest Batman. It's it's very similar to like the new Fifty Two art style, and I think that we're probably going to see something like that for the Killing Joke. 
What is the new Batman one called? But, you know, actually, I could be totally fucking wrong about that because obviously they did the Dark Knight Returns and they didn't feel the need to change the uh, styling from that too much. Bad Blood. I just I just grabbed that one. Uh, I haven't even seen that one yet. I think the last one I watched was Batman vs. Robin. Oh, I haven't watched that one. Yeah, it's uh, Batman versus uh, early Damian Wayne. Ooh. Like, Damian Wayne's part of the team, but he's just basically come on. And they give a five-second backstory. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's worth a watch. It's not bad. So, anyway, new Batman. Yeah. Um. All right. So, we're about done. I got a couple things to talk about. Um, well, no, one. I got one thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, and this is probably going to be more me, kind of like the Doctor Who thing. Yeah, the only thing I thought ready. was, I just I just finally read Flash Rebirth for the first time. Did you? What do you think? I really liked it. And Obviously, I mean, it's one of the quintessential Flash stories, but... So here's the thing. It was not well-received. Yeah, I heard that. Um, Jeff Johns did it, obviously, um, and he did a good job. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you want to see the quintessential Rebirth story, you should you should see the uh, the Green Lantern Rebirth. I mean, mm-hmm. read that one. Um, in fact, I think I've got the graphic novel. I'll, I'll let you borrow it. Like talking about uh, th- this would be the rebirth of... of, 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 of Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan, of course, mm-hmm. yes. I kept wanting to say Kyle Rayner, which doesn't make any fucking sense. No, but Kyle Rayner does play a part in it. Yeah. So that's um so I'll 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 let you grab that on the way out, but sure. Um the uh the what what I wanted to talk about specifically with DC right now is they are doing a DC rebirth. Jeff Johns is gonna be at the helm. Uh Ethan Van Shiver. Skiver, Shiver. I don't know. I don't know how to say his name. Whatever. Um, but he's the one that did the art for Flash Rebirth and for Green Lantern Rebirth. See, I will say, like, whatever you... If you didn't like the story, I really like the art in Flash Rebirth. Um, Ethan actually just recently tweeted that he re-upped with DC. Um, mm-hmm. And then Jeff Johns immediately responded and said, um, awesome, because Rebirth wouldn't be Rebirth without you. Yeah. And um, so, whereas I've gotten the impression or maybe uh, falsely gotten the impression that the last couple big crossover events have have been like uh, a, a rebuilding event so to speak um with the the doomsday war and then what was immediately before that the um fuck convergence convergence was that yeah no yeah. that was it convergence um i thought maybe those were supposed to be like big earth shattering yeah. universe remaking events they weren't really Mm -hmm. uh for that matter rebirth from what i understand is supposed to be that so we'll see we'll see what comes out uh from that i actually have just recently sat down and started reading a fucking shit ton of comic books that i've had backlogged for months now um pretty well caught up on everything um green arrow the flash green lantern all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff good stuff happening in those books um yeah I think I'm caught up to the point. You you got to read a few of them um, so that we can actually start doing kind of a comparison, especially with Green Arrow and the Flash. Yeah, um, with the shows, because right now um, Zoom is is the big bad in the Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, although obviously, um, and I'm not going to spoil this for you, um, but it's not going to be the same Zoom as we see in the in the in the show. Of of course not. Um, no, I mean it, it can't be just based on on who Zoom is in the in the Flash comic books versus we don't know who he is in the show yet, but it's not going to be this guy, yeah, for sure. 
It actually seems like in the show, at least we're getting really strong hints towards Hunter Zolomon. Yeah. Yeah. In the comic books, it's not at all. No. In fact, it's a character that's somebody else in the show, so it can't mm-hmm. be them. So, um, and Green Arrow is uh, part werewolf right now. So, in the all comics. Right. So, that's obviously a huge departure from where we're at in the show. <laughs> maybe season five you know like we get off the island and they're like uh well we don't have any flashbacks so time to go team wolf oh you know what we didn't talk about that the flashbacks no this is the first time when we've seen flashbacks from two separate characters that have started to coalesce into one backstory um the um the dude on the island that's got oliver Mm -hmm. working for him and stuff same dude in Diggs flashback yep we didn't talk about that we should have no. That was a big deal. I actually remember I specifically made a mental note of that when I was watching the show and then we didn't talk about it. No. That was interesting, I thought. Yeah. Uh, no. I, I can't wait to see how that those, those two how that ties in together. Yeah. Uh really cool. I thought that was I thought that was super neat. So um but I plan on I plan on actually um continuing to read the comic books uh quite a bit now that I'm, I'm i'm kind of back in that mode like i was so far behind for a while that i was just it was it, it seemed like a daunting task to like actually pick those up and start <laughs> reading them again oh damn i have to read all these comic books yeah. life is so hard no yeah. i know first world problems right <laughs> yeah no i know exactly how you feel like this is the same thing i feel like trying to get caught up with it, any of this stuff because i have sort of a limited time to read comic books especially right now and uh so you know when i do like one of the reasons like i read flash rebirth is because it's only six up it's only six books like I could I could burn through that and you know a few hours essentially um or you know in a week spread out versus you know trying to read the last say 55 ep- ep- issues of you know new 52 whatever yeah um I'm I'm kind of uh right now I'm about three to four months behind on the x-men books and that's that's my next like gotta get caught up yeah yeah because uh, they they rebooted uncanny again hmm. so I, I don't I think this is the third maybe fourth incarnation of uncanny now which is i mean honestly i'm kind of done with the with the retcons and the reboots yeah it gets old like if you're gonna have a book named uncanny x-men just make it a continuation of the original one you don't have to you're not reinventing the wheel see that's the thing that bothers me about this whole thing with the dc universe is that they're doing the kind of the same thing like both 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 companies i think are pushing the tolerance for reboots a little too much DC's been better about it than Marvel, honestly. Really? Um, DC, since the New 52 launched, has been pretty solid as far as, as maintaining. Um, like, we've had the same run of action comics, detective comics, Batman, all that kind of stuff. Um, my understanding, though, is with the new Rebirth series is is that uh, Scott Snyder, who's been writing Batman, mm-hmm. and, and really well. In fact, I think we talked about this with Marv. I'm, I'm c- completely caught up on Batman. At least the main Batman title. Are you? Yeah. Right on. As in the last, Bloom? uh, yep, yeah, last one where I don't want to spoil. No, go the ahead. Last, go yeah. ahead. This is. I mean, we're, we're. This is what we talk about. So yeah, the l- the last panel I'm where there. Bruce walks in, and says, "I get me to my cave." You know, yeah. like that. Yeah. That's goosebumps, some, right? Yeah. And Alfred's like, "No, <laughs> like he didn't shit. want to." Yeah. Like that was. This is. I I kind of get the sense that the Alfred that we're dealing with in the new Batman is a lot of the Michael Caine. Oh yeah, definitely from from the Christian Bale Batman mythos. Like he's like, maybe one day I'll walk into a coffee shop 
and Bruce will be there and I'll drinking see, coffee I'll with that woman drinking yeah drinking a coffee yeah yeah that's it's our like, bo- that's that's too terrible Michael about impression. the size of a tangerine yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh I I get the impression that this this Alfred is a lot like that Alfred and he's like no man like you're good yeah just get out go finally. nail the redhead a bunch more and then yeah. you'll forget about this. Yeah, no. Except um, for the redhead's dead now or something. So. But but that's one of the, I mean that's one of the things that I love about this current incarnation is that even Bruce Wayne isn't Batman. Bruce Wayne's Batman. Like I didn't know you were reading that. Yeah, no. I I'm I, proud, man. Yeah, I've been stuck. <laughs> I, uh, I caught up a while ago. Actually, I think I think the last two or three issues I've had to actually wait for the issues that really come out. So yeah. So here's here's where I'm sad. Um, Scott Snyder. I, like I'll gladly read detective comics because yeah. that's where he's going after this. Um, but Capullo's leaving uh, Batman altogether. Oh, which is sad for me because I remember. So did you ever read spawn? No. Okay. So spawn was one of the comic books that I read way back in the day because it actually, like when I first started getting into comic books, spawn was one of the ones that was just starting back then. And that was with image. Yeah. Um, and, and spawn at the time was sort of like a different, you know, like, idea incarnation thing yeah like it was a, it was it was fresh sort of like uh you know people talk about saga a lot or the walking dead have you read saga yeah i'm the first uh 13 books or something oh you're farther into it than i am i really like saga too yeah no i told you dude go back and listen to some of the sh- episodes of the show I, I told you you need to read saga Saga's yeah really no good. i've actually started reading saga so we we talked about that fuck i really gotta yeah, start but, writing some of the shit but, down but the last the last few times it's been like dude fucking read saga it's good yeah um, no i've I've started reading saga it actually really is good but, yeah um spawn to your point is or was a lot like that it was it was something that hadn't been done before and it was todd mcfarlane and i i was familiar with mcfarlane for his work on spider-man mm-hmm uh, back in the day. Um, and then Spawn was kind of his baby. Spawn was, he wrote it and drew it and everything else. And then when he started getting really busy because Image started getting a lot of momentum as, as far as having some really good books to offer, um, he was writing it. But then he brought in Greg Capullo to start doing the art. And Capullo did um, an amazing job of transitioning what McFarlane did into his own work. Mm-hmm. And so when he started doing the the artwork for Batman, I was super excited. In fact, I was more excited about that than I was Snyder because I wasn't really familiar with Snyder's work before. But now that I've I've read it, I'm I'm super happy with. Yeah, no, I I really really like the art in the current Batman run. So Capullo's got something going for him there. Yeah, like uh, again, I am definitely the baby comic fan between the two of us. Um, I I did not really read comics up until probably the last year or two at the very most. Um. And even then, only sparingly here or sparingly here and there. Like I think I, it probably started with Watchmen. Um, somebody told me that basically, if you're going to read any comic book ever, you need to start with Watchmen, or you need to read Watchmen. Um, and when I started reading Watchmen, I, I finally got that whole like, you know, like this has been a joke in some you know previous years. You know, like it's a graphic novel, not a comic book. You know, like that was the first time where I read that, and I was like, nope, I I get why people would say that. Like it is a, it's not like a you know. You know, like you have a lot of people have a preconceived notion about what comic books are. And Watchmen was the first book that I think changed my uh, opinion on that. You know, what's funny about that. Hmm. The Watchmen wasn't a graphic novel to begin with. Really? Yeah. I have the individual issues. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I, I did. No, I actually did know that. I, of course, I bought the the uh, collected trade paperback because you know I I read it like two years ago, not like in the eighties no, when it came. Honestly, out. it's it's more popularly known for that. It's like the Crow with James O'Barr. Like it's yeah, that's a graphic novel to me. Like. Um, I don't, in fact, I can't even, I'm not even expert enough to tell you if that was individual issues or not, or whether it was released as one graphic novel originally. No, I think it came out as individuals. Um, or no, 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 not The Crow, but uh, Watchmen definitely did. Watchmen did, because yeah. I have the issues. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where we're at with comic books. Um, also, I just read uh, The Walking Dead. Um, not caught up on that. Issue 150 now. I think I'm on 148 and mostly just because when you said, when we started talking about comic books again, I was like, you know what? I bet a couple of issues of the walking dead have come out and they haven't read them yet. Yeah. Um, I've got them so I can, I can grab those for you too. Sure. They're, they're good. Uh, I, so for 150, I was kind of expecting something monumental like we got in, in number 100. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything. It, it, I, we're not there. I mean, it, it didn't happen. Mm. Nothing like nobody, nobody major died. Mm-hmm. so a little bit disappointed but you know yeah but on the same hand I, I don't think i want them really you know messing with the story just so they can have a you know big issue number unless that's part of the plan to begin with i think that's part of any plan when you're writing comic books though i think you have to have like big events for milestones like i like i have uh wolverine 75 mm-hmm. and that was cool because i had I, it's got the yellow cover and it's um mm-hmm. like it's made of a heavy stock and it's got actually like claw marks that are through it. Like you open it up and like, wow, it's, yeah, it is cool. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's kind of the expected thing. Like when you hit a big milestone and stuff like that. And here's the thing though, it's still a really good story. Like it's not, yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be flashy, but it, it, it is a really, really good story so far. So nice. Um, but that's where we're at. And then, uh, again, we mentioned earlier, um, while we're talking about the walking dead, Mid-season premiere, Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, um... Cut off with your sweetie and watch some people get eaten. Yeah, go get laid earlier in the day so that, you know, yeah, you can watch the, uh, the when mid-season premiere. When you're sad about the deg- disgrace that is humanity, you can all just cuddle and cry together. Yeah, ladies, if you're into The Walking Dead and your husband can't perform that well, I mean, you at least have something to do on Valentine's Day. Or, ladies and gentlemen, perfect Valentine's Day date. Deadpool comes out February twelfth. Ooh, might we take you to about that. that at all. Yeah, my wife is already called dibs. Ah, uh, bitch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, Casey. And and uh, I also 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 have to go see Donna Justice with her before I see it with anybody else. Uh, we don't have to tell her. She's gonna listen to the show. <laughs> no, but she knows when it comes out. <laughs> Damn it! And if I'm gone that night, she'll wonder why. Yeah. So. No, it's okay, sweetie. I didn't go see the movie with you. It was just the hookers again. Yeah, I was just cheating on you. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. No big deal. Um, All right, everybody. So that's the show for this week. Um, If you like the show, you can uh, do the best thing for us right now, which is probably go on iTunes and give us a rating. Um, Tell us how we did. You can go find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash whateveryshow. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash whateveryshow. And finally, email your questions and comments and so on to questions at whatever.co. It's working again. Yeah, for Thanks. sure. Thanks, Dreamhost. Yay. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Yep. This is a long one. Sorry, guys. Have a good night. Yep.